Hey, it's me, ABSD, and welcome to the Inner Dialogue Podcast. Today, I'm not in my closet, I'm not in my office, and we are live from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Woo-woo. It's October 13th and a Friday, so that's Friday pretty fun. <laughs> and I am joined today by some really special humans. And the title of this episode is we're talking about sex for real this time. We've <laughs> we've tried the attempt at the sex talk a few times. Oh, yeah. And now uh, today we're joined by some pretty fabulous people that also have such a knowledge for this. And so I'm excited for this conversation. Buckle in. If you are not a person that is familiar with all things sex or new into sex or sex is not your comfortability, this might be a good moment to pause and question whether you want to listen to this episode. Up to you. I don't know what's going to be talked about yet, so maybe a better disclaimer will be added later. But welcome. And here's the better disclaimer. This episode is a ton of fun, has so many good moments for laughter and insight that is leaving me with a new sense of curiosity for my own life when it comes to sex and things I want to learn about and research, but also just taking away the knowledge and the comfortability from sitting in space with people who love to talk about their sex and kink and all things around normalizing sex in our society and in our culture. This episode is really cool and you get to sit with three really awesome humans and listen to us banter about sex and sexy times. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it. I'm going to have y'all introduce yourselves, whoever wants to go first, and then we'll get going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Also, if you are in a place of wanting to learn more about sex, this is the episode, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Um, So I'm Kara. You have heard me before. Uh, Delighted to be a cousin to ABSD. Um, I am the reason we're in Minnesota. So delightful. So good to be here. Um, I am a graduate student studying history. Um, I focus on gender and marriage in the 18th century in Britain origins of the modern concept of the like nuclear family. And so in the process of unraveling all of that, um, have really dove in deep on the sex front. And so I'm excited to have this conversation. Um, I am also a non-monogamous kinkster and all of the things that come along with that. Uh, you can find me at Kara underscore Marie one, two, three, four on Instagram or uh, follow my bookstagram because I'm getting into that shit. Uh, <laughs> it is Kara Marie Reads. And I am trying to start a series of exactly what we've been talking about. Um, romance novels paired with sex toys. What toy did I use to read this book? <laughs> because let's be honest, I never read a book without a toy. <laughs> so look forward to that. Um, and that's me. Pass it on to Stacey. Yeah. Um... I'm Stacy, and I am Kara's dear friend and roommate. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. how I got brought into the circle. Um, what else to say about me? I so I'm a social worker and a therapist, and my work really centers um, around like sex positivity. Um, I work with a lot of queer and trans um, folks, polyamorous, kinky, anything that's like you know anything that's outside of the norm. Um, and I hold all of those identities myself. And so, yeah, this is a topic I spend a lot of time talking about, reading about, thinking about, um, and I'm just really excited to be here. Um, 
I don't really do the social, social media thing. If you happen to be listening to this and are local in Minneapolis um, and would like to reach out to me for therapy services, Stacy at cedarhilltherapy.com is the best way to do that. And please do. She's and please do. I am taking on clients currently. And yeah, yeah. if you want a client or a therapist that understands your queerness, polyamory, kink, whatever it is, like I'm your girl. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited yeah. you both are here. Yeah. Quick thing. Also meant to say this, and as soon as I used your pronouns, I realized I forgot. Um, Kara, I use she, her pronouns, um, and I identify as bisexual slash queer, because mm-hmm. I think that's sort of the, such a lovely, like, reclaimed phrase that it yeah. encompasses so much. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. identities. Stacey's also here because she's an expert, as you notice. I am not an expert. She's a budding expert. I would like to be an expert. My eventual goal is to be a sex therapist. I'm not there yet. But I do maybe know more about more than the average or more than the average person about yeah. these topics. Yeah. Um, right. And she, her pronouns, bisexual slash queer myself as well. And I would consider myself an average person when it comes to sex. <laughs> and so yeah. I, I can't wait to hear more about all of it. So much this week. I yes. So much this week. And we just went to a kink sex store and just being in that environment was so eye-opening and so fun and also overwhelming at times of like Mm -hmm. what do you use some of this stuff for I think that was a point of overwhelm at moments of looking at the things sitting in front of me and not having a thought in the world of how that could be used like there were some things that pushed and pulled and opened in ways that I would be curious to understand more about at a later stage in my life when I'm ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I'm so excited that you both are here. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. Thank you. This is delightful. Yeah. To dive right into that. I think it's also why events like we have a monthly Kinky Friday event here in Minneapolis where one of the queer clubs in town puts on just like a one room show um, that is like live action kink scenes. And I think it's become really popular because it starts to answer those questions, right? Mm-hmm. Like you see people on that stage using these things that you see in a shop. Um, and not all of them, obviously. It's not a lot like it's not full public sex per se. Right. Um, but it is public kink play and the way that those things like overlap. And so yeah, there's so much that you don't know until you see someone else do it or you have someone explain it to you. And I think that it's like a real baseline that we need to, I would love to get back to culturally around sex because there are so many assumptions when you go into it, I feel like, and none of it should come without explanation, right? And that should be okay. There are things that you find naturally great, but the idea that you should be able to just like dive in and know how to have sex and know Mm -hmm. how to have good sex Mm -hmm. just feels like really, like a really silly cultural place that we've ended up. And the one that all like automatically relies on uh, cis heteronormativity like mononormativity too, right? Right. Like if you fit all of these things and you are having P and B sex, then like you should a you, you already don't know how to do that. Like that's already too much assumption. Yeah. But like that even is the assumption that like that's what you're doing. You should know how to do it. So how do you ever learn if you're working out of those assumptions only? And I feel like that's very damaging because for me 
like it was the assumption that you just knew. Mm -hmm. And then if you just know, then where is there space to ask questions and where is there space to not know? Yeah. And I find that very challenging because it's like, where do you go to know? If the assumption is that you already know, then where do you go for the resource to find out if you're already supposed to know? And you just then sit there and just feel bad for not knowing, like feel bad about yourself. You're like, oh, there's something wrong with me because like, I'm not really enjoying this. I mean, maybe that was just my own experience, but I know it's the exact same thing. I was like, I don't know, this isn't that much fun. Like I thought it was going to be a lot more fun than it is. I truly, until I met my partner, didn't know sex could be enjoyable. Right. Like every time I had had sex previously, I truly was like, I don't understand the hype. Right, exactly. I don't get the hype. And if you mind sharing, like, what age were you when you met your partner? 23. Okay. And yes. you've been sexually active before that. Yes. Yeah. I and was. So like, yeah, that's that's a late age. And I, yeah. so I want to caveat, like, we are three people with vaginas. So, like, there's a level yeah. of the type of conversation that we'll be having that does center around that. And so it's a thing to keep in mind. Right. But also, I think exactly what you said, Stacey, is so real coming from that perspective. Right. Because... It is generally speaking, there's more of a learning curve for like how to pleasure a vagina versus how to pleasure a penis. And so, mm. but, but if there's a learning curve and there's a narrative out there that exists that like women, people with vaginas just like don't enjoy sex as much. Yeah. And so like for me, I just like accepted that. Yeah. You know, like you're not, and so I didn't even much. try to figure out this learning curve. Cause I was like, well, this is just how it is. It's a really good point. So yeah. When did you say, no, there must be something more to this. Um, I think, yeah, like first I had a partner come into my life who was quite a bit more sexually like open and like knowledgeable than I was. And so he was able to teach me. I mean, like I was at a spot where like I didn't engage in like oral sex because I thought it was kind of icky and like didn't really like it. And he was like, well, that's like giving oral sex is like my favorite thing. So like, you're kind of going to have to get used to it. And like, and we did, and we like, you know, tried all those things and I was like, okay, this is fine. And then it wasn't until I was like 30 or so that like the idea of kink got brought into my life. And then it was like, oh, like this is what, because I, I like enjoyed sex, but it wasn't like great. And then kink came into my life and like eventually it took some time, but I started having like kinky sex. And I was like, God, this is what I've been wanting sex to be this whole time, you know? So was a lot yeah. of your learning from other people or did you seek out resources? resources first and then eventually eventually you do in my experience like hit a point where you're like I cannot learn about this without engaging in it with somebody that knows right so yeah right that makes sense yeah Yeah, it's very real Hmm. yep so resources as in books or internet websites yeah yeah books um podcasts Mm -hmm. internet um there's a great website that gave me a lot of my knowledge that I'm going to have to think on the name. It's a sex toy website, but they also have a bunch of videos um, of like, here's how you use this sex toy. Right. And like those videos were Helpful. super great. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Smitten Kitten. One of Smitten our local Kitten toy shops is awesome in Minneapolis for exactly yeah. that reason. Yes. When they get a new toy in stock, they go to their social media and do a whole demonstration. Yeah. Um, one of the most like well-known sex toys in the world, I believe, but definitely yeah. in the Western Hemisphere is like the Hitachi magic wand. Yeah. Um, and so when Hitachi put out a new wand, they put out like first a cordless one and then a mini one. 
uh, Smitten Kitten went on and did like a demonstration of all, I think four now, of their different wands mm-hmm. and what they all did differently and what you might want one or the other for. And so resources like that can be so huge. Yeah. And I appreciate like websites, uh, social media for creating this like accessible resource too, without having to buy it. Yeah. Right. It's cool to see a shop mm-hmm. that like really functions on being able to sell product, yeah. still emphasize like you don't have to buy this product to learn about it. Right. You know, we will teach you. We don't yeah. want you buying all four products. We want you buying the one that's going to work best for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how I ended up, we were talking a little earlier about like suction toys. Um, it's how I ended up buying the suction toys that I bought. Right. Like, I, so I've bought several, but I've researched dozens, mm-hmm. right. There are so many and, um, looking at people who were selling them and looking at stores who were really like education oriented allowed me to pick the few that I thought, like, I think this is where I sit. I think this is what I'm looking for. And I can experiment with those. And it's the reason that like the first one that I bought was a good fit, right? Mm -hmm. Like was a good toy for me because I was able to start with some of that education. Where my head is right now is like how important the education piece is of that to Mm -hmm. almost like destigmatize the shame culture that's around it. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like I grew up in a, like shame culture around sex Mm -hmm. a bit Mm -hmm. and with religion and Mm -hmm. with there just not being a space to communicate about sex or what my body wants or what my body desires in Mm -hmm. that way, especially around pleasure. And so then like seeking out pleasure, how to like to deconstruct the shame that also goes with that has been a part of my journey because there was a lot of shame and guilt around wanting pleasure in my body, especially as a woman, but also just around sex outside of marriage and Mm -hmm. with multiple people Mm -hmm. and how that's looked in my own life, I guess. So I feel like the education piece is so huge. And it's kind of what we're here to talk about a little bit too. Like where are the gaps in your own knowledge? Like what do you see? Mm -hmm. Um, as gaps as, as spaces that like you wish there were other resources to fill. Um, I think it's why I end up like when people have questions that I can't answer, referring them to social media so often. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I kind of wish I didn't, but the reality is right now that so much of what our culture is doing is supporting influencers. Mm-hmm. And there are, it is the space that I have found some of the most accessible education. Yeah. So I don't remember much, but I'm curious. Do y'all remember like what sex education you were given like in school and growing yeah. up? Like I remember my talks with my family, but like yeah, growing up and in school, like what was your sex ed like? Yeah, it was, I remember it was like fifth grade. It was in school, right? Um, and it was a lot about anatomy um and like puberty like we were separated into girls and boys right and so like we talked about periods you know in my and like that and we talked about <clears throat> stds and um abstinence culture right it was very much that it was like don't you know like if you have sex with multiple partners you will get stds and like yeah, there was I'm no dying. like use condoms like and yeah. here's how to have safer sex like that just wasn't included mm-hmm. um oh. and it was very like and then i also was raised religious and so there was conversations with the church of well 
or in the church as well about like I specifically remember this conversation like sex is like so great and it's like God's like gift to you and it's like something you should like totally enjoy with the person you marry like only mm-hmm. and like it's gonna be so great if you just like wait for it and I was like I don't understand so, oh. you know like even little teenage me was like that doesn't sound right yeah for my sex education, I missed it on both sides. So I switched schools oh. from fourth to fifth. And at the elementary school I was at, they taught it in fifth. The school I switched to, they taught it in sixth. Yeah. And so I was only there for fifth grade and then transitioned to a different middle school for sixth. So I missed it on both sides. Oh, no. And so I had nothing. Yeah. yeah. No conversation there. No conversation at home. Nothing. That must oh, be no. what happened with me. Um because I, I did a similar thing. I was in a Catholic elementary school up through fifth grade. And so obviously they did not teach yeah. sex education. Yeah. Um, and then went to a public middle school um, in sixth grade. And we did do something annually through middle school. But I feel like I never got the sex conversation. I remember in seventh grade we did a big like anatomy thing. And yeah. there was like, there were two sections where like a couple of days that were split by assumed gender. And there were a couple of days that were like communal um, and they were all really based on reproduction. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there was like an attempt to have the conversation of like, here's what it might be like. And here's what, like how things work if you have a vagina. Um, but really it was like, we're going to sit you down and show you the video of a birth. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're going to talk yeah. about like, how one gets pregnant, which I do appreciate. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people in middle and even high school who don't fully know how you get pregnant. Right. Um, I already did at that point. I had a very unique relationship with my mother and a very unique mother who was really dedicated to making some of that more transparent. Mm-hmm. It was just like really against the opaque culture in particularly our faith. Like she was mm-hmm. very Catholic and was raising um, me and my brother Catholic and was very against the opaqueness around that, around the idea of like, you just wait until marriage and then you know everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, even if you wait until marriage, you don't know everything if you're never taught. So all that's to say that like, I had learned what sex was when I was eight or nine. Um, I still remember the conversation and looking her dead in the face and saying, you let dad do that to you? <laughs> I was so disgusted. Horrified. Yeah, it was so fun. So, so funny. Um, but also, like, my brother and I were those kids in kindergarten who would get in trouble for saying penis and vagina. Because mm. it was just, like, we knew the language. We would, Yeah. She was very against euphemisms for your body parts. Yeah. And so I would say, like, yeah, something hurts in my vagina. Yeah. Or my brother has a penis. And it was just, like, scandalous. Yeah. So, um... Just calling it what it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Isn't that wild? But we really didn't talk about sex in school. The, the mm-hmm. one other place that I had, like, education was we did a summer intensive gym course. Um, because I went to a weird school. And, like, we didn't have gym all throughout high school. And so to make up for that, you had to do this summer intensive thing. Um, yeah. So it was a, it was a gifted... And if you couldn't hear the quotations in my voice, there are yeah. the like gifted school thing. Yeah. Um, and that's a podcast for another day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so they like, we didn't have high school sports and we didn't have PE requirements. So you could take more APs, mm-hmm. obviously. 
uh, though we did a whole section in that intensive summer about specifically STIs. Not about Mm -hmm, sex, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. a little bit about condoms and a lot about how you could get sick. Mm -hmm, Yes. mm -hmm. And, and ruin your life. And obviously the pictures Mm -hmm. of the like warted penises and yeah, things like that yeah. yeah i just think of mean girls every time you of like you pregnant and, and die. you'll die yeah. i mean that's <laughs> very much like it's genuinely how it felt like, yes it was like this is the result of having sex death like yeah death, death or hell yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Are the... or like you're going to wish you were dead because <laughs> you're gonna have all these warts and you're gonna have a baby and you're gonna be so sad yeah and like god that's just so not it what a note, right? Yeah. What a what a way to be thinking about sex. Yeah. And be taught about sex when you are at your most horny. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, Woof. <laughs> yeah. But when you don't know any different, that's what you've learned, right? Yeah. And so yeah. we we accept what we've learned until we're old enough to question it. Yeah. And at that age, I wasn't old enough to question it. It was you yeah. trust the trusted adults in your world, and you trust that they're teaching you what you need to know, whether that's teachers, community, parents, yeah. church, you're trusting that that's the information, then it's real. And then you get a little bit older and you even in it were like, yeah. no, this doesn't feel right. But it didn't happen for me until I was way older. And I'm like, something's not right. I feel yeah. like I don't either have the grand scope or all of the information. Like what is going, why am I not enjoying this? What right. is wrong with me? Yeah. Cause then you start to internalize it and that shame yeah. and that guilt. Yep a lot of breaking down that I've had to do during my journey around sex mm-hmm. because of the knowledge that was taught to me yeah. or lack thereof, I guess. Yeah. So I think this brings up like a, a related question for me, which is, um, when did you start masturbating and mm-hmm. like, do you regularly masturbate? And I'm also willing to take the answer yeah. to this question first, if you would like. Yeah. Uh, cause I got like ready answers for this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I started masturbating when I was like eight or nine. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Right? It was like a long time before I figured out what was going on. But those are my first memories of like actively touching myself. With yeah. your hand um, or with other things? Usually like a pencil. Yeah. Or like a writing utensil. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we can talk later about why the school themed um, Kinky Friday <laughs> show was particularly great for me. Um, yeah. No, that's a whole... Did I mention I'm a grad student? There's a whole story in there, I'm sure. But I'm not going to examine it. So, um, But yeah, I think that I didn't with purpose until after the first time I had sex. Mm, And like, I'd always sort of like touched myself. Like intermittently, I'd go through phases. Um, But yeah, yeah. there's a whole, there's a whole like reason for that too, which I'm trying to figure out if I want to like get into right now or not. Yeah. Um, what was the second part of my question? It was like, when did you first start like, masturbating? And like, do you still? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Cause the answer to that question for me is like, yeah. Yeah. Hardcore. Yeah. Yes. Um, I have a very well invested toy collection. You both know this. I'm right. just sharing this with the podcast. I, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, the majority of my sex life in my twenties was with myself. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that is not the most common experience Mm -hmm. and so it's like also the place that I talk from like we get questions um I get questions it comes up a lot when talking to friends um it came up when I was soliciting questions of like toys question mark Mm -hmm. like are they normal like do you use them do you use them yourself do you use them with a partner and 
it's it's always an interesting reminder for me that like it is like a decade plus long arc for me of developing a relationship with toys and that not everyone has done that mm-hmm. right because I just I spent so much time and still spend a lot of time even though I'm having partnered sex at this point in my life yeah um having sex with myself yep and that's a big part of my arc and the simple answer to the questions is yes toys are normal but like that's for yeah. a whole other yeah We'll continue. I think just the concept of normalizing having sex with yourself. Mm. I love it when people talk about it in that yeah. way. Yes. Having sex with yourself. Like, yeah. And I want to say too, like, since we've fallen into this word, like, the reality is there is no normal. There is what yeah. feels good to you. Yeah. Right? There's what works for you. Yeah. Do you not like toys? Do you not get off with toys? Great. Then yeah. that's fine. Like, normal the, the purpose of normal is only to make things more accessible, yeah, right. not to set any sort of standard. Yes. And it's defined it's okay, what yeah. your normal is. Yeah. Like right. what, like you said, what feels good to you. If that's like, and then it becomes a norm in your life after you figure out what works and what doesn't yeah. work. But it's fit, like, I think with the term normal, it, it comes so often, especially I hear it a lot in like, how often are people having sex in partnerships? And yeah. like, what's the normal mm-hmm. amount of times per <laughs> week or per yeah. day or yeah. per month? Like, and it, I, we get so caught in the norm that we yeah. forget to just do what feels good to us. Yeah. And that I struggle with that sometimes of finding what feels good and also finding like what that quote unquote normal is. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, I'm thinking about like in my therapy work, if I have like a couple or a person who's talking about sex, like one of my questions will be like, all right, how often do y'all have sex? And like, they'll give whatever answer. And I'm like, okay, do you like that frequency? Cause like, I don't actually care about the number, right? right? It's just like a way to start the conversation. And then like, do you like that frequency? Are you having more or less sex than you would like to have? Like, that's why I'm asking for the number. Not because like you should be having sex three times a week. Right. Right. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. That's a good baseline to like go off of and to start that conversation. Yeah. That's cool. I, it's a good way of asking, like, I like the question of, do you like that frequency? Yeah. I like that. And even just finding what your frequency do you like? It's all like, but also being willing to explore it is the other yeah, piece of right. like, yes, I'm, I can ask myself these questions, but if I'm not willing to say, Oh, I don't know if I'd want sex well, more because I haven't been having sex more. I ask that question and sometimes get a like, what, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like I, don't, I don't know. And I'm like, well, think about it, you know, and get back right. to me. Cause like everyone's desire levels are different and like mm-hmm. they can, whatever. Yeah. I wouldn't know how to answer that either. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I think there's a really like interesting thing here too, is like, I do and don't know how to answer that Yeah, because I haven't had the opportunity to get a good answer. Right. Right. And so like when I started like eating disorder recovery, one of the things that we did, and I'm talking about this so much now because I find it so revolutionary, yeah. um, is had a conversation around scarcity. It mm-hmm. was like, like, what are your trigger foods? Why? Um, and one of the pieces of advice that my, therapy and nutritionist gave to me and I'll caveat that like this may not work for everyone but it was revolutionary for me was we're going to remove the concept of scarcity yeah right and like I struggled with a whole range of eating disorders and so like there was there wasn't a good right it wasn't like okay we want to give you more because you're restricting or we want to give you less because you're binging it's like no I've done them all what do I do yeah um and it it's all about mindset work and so uh, sugar was always a big trigger for me I wanted to keep 
as much in the house as possible. Mm -hmm. So just have everything, anything you could possibly want. So it's there when you get it. It's there when you want it. And you'll find that you self-regulate. And I think that's what I haven't had the opportunity to do with sex. Right? It's like my answer right now is like, yeah, I want to be having more sex. I want to have sex all the time. It's like, I would love to do it for a living. Should I go into porn? I don't know, man. Um, it's honestly, it's so much harder than I want it to be. And it's like the only reason I have it. Um, <laughs> there is like a real arc there. Yeah. Like work. God it's bless not, it. It is work. All as, kinds. Yeah. 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 It just, it's really amazing. Um, but all that's to say, like it, between normal restrictions, like of just like life and time, yeah. partner restrictions mm-hmm. and shame, Mm-hmm. Who has a good answer to that question? I know. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, whew. That's a really interesting mm-hmm. point, right? Like you and I, Kara, are both in the situation of like being partnered, mm-hmm. but like not necessarily having like as much access to sex with our partner mm-hmm. as we might desire for a variety of reasons. Like it's not like the frequency of sex that I'm having is dictated by the fact that I'm in a long distance relationship, yeah, right? Absolutely. I'm like, um, not dictated by my desire yes. so yeah yeah like, and having a partner that like is in other relationships and yeah. has a, a primary partnership that isn't me yeah yeah he's not in my bed every night right? yeah and like yeah. that's a part of our relationship that I am happy with and comfortable with yeah and does it restrict me having that level of access mm. with that specific person sure yeah. absolutely yeah mm. so you know I find access other ways right right so you have sex with yourself. Which takes us back to yeah. tell me about your sex life with yourselves. Yeah. I am learning. Hell yeah. yeah. It's where I am at. And I am in a stage in my life where I want to learn more and find where my comfortability is and isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I don't think I've afforded myself that. I got into like... I don't know if toxic is the right word, but when I started to explore with my body, I just had no knowledge. And so all of it was so Mm shame-based that like every piece of it felt icky. Mm -hmm. And and that was kind of the foundation that I built off Mm -hmm. of, which then naturally flowed into when I was having sex with people. It was very shame-based and icky and often was not a good situation for me, but I didn't realize that in the moment. And so it's a lot of also deconstructing that so that I can then go into learning about myself and my body and what I want in a like positive foundation and Mm -hmm. not shame-based, like in a pleasure foundation, I guess. Um, I was always so afraid to like actually use my hands and mm-hmm. so I would find objects yeah. to use um, that were not safe mm-hmm. to put mm-hmm. in or on my genitals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But if that's what you have, ac- that's what I had access to. Yeah. And so that's what I would use because that was my access. So right. my answer is it's a learning arc for me. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Very at the beginning. How do you feel about the idea of having a a private, independent sex life while you are married and like in a sexual partnership? That goes back to frequency of where my mind comes to beginning with, to mm-hmm. I guess to start with, because some like in a in my partnership, 
oftentimes our like sexual wants might not align with each other time-wise mm-hmm. of like when I want or he wants. And so having relationship with self feels like a good alternative. And I think it's a, I, I think it's a great option mm-hmm. um, in every way. And like, I encourage masturbation for myself and encourage masturbation for him because like sex with each other is fun and intimate when we have it, but it's not happening all the time. And Mm so being able to have pleasure when pleasure is wanted or needed in another way does not affect our sex life. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a, that sounds like really cool and healthy and like a good mental approach. Yeah. That's how it feels. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it feels. I love it. Yeah. And like, I'm thinking about this too, like my, thinking about my own relationship to like masturbation like it's it's about like sex and pleasure and like enjoying myself or whatever and sometimes it's about other things sometimes it's about stress relief sometimes it's about I really need a good night's sleep right and so I'm just gonna like I I know how to make myself calm in about two minutes and so like you know know, and so like sometimes that is what I do right and then sometimes it's it's an experience but sometimes it's like I just want to come and go to bed right and so like I, that's thinking back to like all the conversations of like normalizing it. Like there's a lot of reasons to like have sex and or masturbate, like besides pleasure. And I just want to put that out there as well. So listen, yeah. Alyssa's like eyes are so big right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, that was what masturbation was for me for a long time was yeah. helped me go to sleep. Yeah. Yep. Was like the means to sleep. It, yeah. Maybe I like yeah. had too much energy or like frantic energy. Yeah. And so it was a way to, channel something to like release yeah so that I could fall asleep a lot faster which still some days like if I'm having trouble falling asleep like masturbation is the answer to that means yeah absolutely that's a good point yeah yeah I I can okay I really love the show How I Met Your Mother with mm-hmm. the caveat that it has not aged well no. and there are a lot of things in there that are problematic as hell and that just is an absolute fact and there's an episode where like uh, Marshall catches Lily like masturbating to like go to sleep and was like really hurt like mm-hmm. they're in bed together but like he's asleep and she's stuck awake and so she's getting off and he's like well like what like I don't, I don't remember entirely how the conversation started, but it was around like reasons to have sex. Yeah. And he was like, no, like, like being together is the reason to have sex. And they as a group kid were like, no, I can come up with a hundred other reasons. And they did throughout the episode. It was like creating a list of a hundred other reasons to have sex. than yeah. like you're in a relationship with someone or you're trying to connect with someone. Yeah. Right. And it was the most fun episode is like yeah this yeah. is great there are so many reasons to have sex and there are so many reasons to have different types of sex right and this is one that i do like i think the normalization conversation is important like that there there isn't a normal and if you're someone who is sexually active and who enjoys sex i think it is so healthy and essential to have a sexual relationship with yourself mm-hmm Like it just, it makes everything easier. It makes learning about your own boundaries easier. Mm -hmm. It makes learning what you like easier. Like it just, yeah, I really value Mm -hmm. it. And I don't think we talk about it as a thing to have in a relationship Mm -hmm. as much either. Finding what you like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you ever masturbated in bed with your partner? Like 
Yeah. With that, without them involved. Yeah. 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 I mean, like they've gone to sleep and you like are stuck awake or something or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's and, like, yeah. like thinking back to like my early, you know, sexual days of like where sex, like wasn't that pleasurable for me. Like mm-hmm. I've definitely been there where like he rolled over and went to sleep. Cause like, I didn't like come out into my own queerness until like my thirties either. And so like, I was only having sex with men and like, he would like roll over and go to sleep. And I was like, well, and like, I didn't know how to say like, I'm not satisfied. Like, this yeah. is what I need to orgasm. Like, I didn't know. So I was just like, well, I'll just do it myself. <laughs> Good night. And like, didn't, yeah. like, he didn't necessarily even know, but I was just like, well, this is what I need, you know, right now. <laughs> like, I think that's the one that I felt a lot of shame around. Totally. Yeah. And it's surprising when it comes up, but like, um, I, this has recently changed, but I have for several years been on an SSRI. And so like the way that I come is really different. And a lot of people on SSRIs, especially if they have a vagina, like can't orgasm at all. Yeah. Just like can't get there or it takes a really long time or I draw this distinction. I know not everyone with a vagina draws this distinction, but like they can come, but they can't orgasm, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, so I find that like, it hasn't been hard for me to come, but it hasn't really hard for me to orgasm. Yeah. And I often need to come a lot more, like more times to get a similar like satisfaction. Yeah. Um, and I've had, I had a partner who like, after he would come was just like all but useless. Yeah. Right. And God bless. Okay. You know, that's yeah. like the way it goes. But so we would, we would play it. I like no lack of satisfying me mm-hmm. right in this relationship. Um, but like when he was ready to come or rather when I was ready to for him to come, yeah, that would kind of be the end of things. Yeah. And that was great. So like we would plan that that would happen. Um, and then sometimes I would find like, okay, but, you're done and like, I don't know, it was exciting making you come and now I want to come again. Yeah. And it took me a long time in that relationship to learn how to like ask for that. Yeah. And so there would, there would be a lot of moments of that, that sort of similar situation um, of like, okay, now you've passed out, but like, I'm still here and I'm like still wide awake yeah. because I'm still really turned on. Yeah. And like, what do I do in this moment? But take care of my girl. Like, it right. It doesn't feel like there's another answer. And even when there is, it doesn't feel like that should be the wrong answer, mm-hmm. but it feels wrong. That's something I feel we do very healthy in our relationship of, because I am in a cishet relationship, the, like when he comes, he's finished. Yeah. yeah. And, but like, we've gotten really good at communicating and I've gotten really good at communicating of what I need after that, if I need something else. Mm-hmm. And that's changed the game. Yeah. <laughs> changed the game because I just thought like, yeah, it was over and I'm unsatisfied. And yeah. why is sex fun? <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. Why are people so obsessed with this activity? <laughs> all the time. That's all anybody wants. I don't get it. Um, especially in college for me, because I was just also having like very unhealthy sex with men and but now being able I think learning to communicate your needs rather than like because they're in your head yeah and just being able to vocalize them or even to say like I don't even know what it is that I need but I feel there's something else was where I started and then learned how to ask for what I needed and it so often when we like what I have found when I ask for what I need 
and it's straightforward, it's way easier than like a general overall statement mm-hmm. that like, I need something because mm-hmm. you can't totally. really do much with yeah. that. And your partner's like, great. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> like, I would love to give it to you if I knew what it was. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of the baseline reasons that like you and I, Alyssa, wanted to have this conversation to begin with, right? was like, we were just talking about this at the toy store. If you don't have the language, yeah, it's so hard. And if talking about sex is stigmatized, you yeah. never get the language. Right. Right. And so then, yeah. How do you ever learn to be satisfied? Yeah. How do you ever learn to be comfortable? And I feel like that was one of the underlying themes of all of the questions that I like gathered from people was like, how do you make this comfortable? Mm-hmm. How do you make whatever part of it you're at comfortable? Mm-hmm. How do you make not coming, but still being satisfied, comfortable. How do you make incorporating toys comfortable? How do you make using lube comfortable? Yeah. How do you make it feel okay when all of it feels like stigmatized or like the stakes are heavy or like you're doing something wrong? Yeah. And how do you just like de-escalate those feelings? Yeah. And I think one of the only mm-hmm. answers is like, A, talking about it. Mm-hmm. B, talking about it outside the bedroom. Yeah. Um. And like, see, making that a part of your daily life, a part of your daily discourse. Mm-hmm. I really had one of those moments recently too, where like, it's something that it was advice that was given to me early, particularly like early in learning about kink of like, yeah. if there's a kink thing you want to do, you should always talk about it before you're in the situation. Yes. Right. It should yeah. be navigated in advance outside of the bedroom. Um, and I had a moment recently where I was like having like, not even a kink thing, but like a, a sex thing, just like a more vanilla sex thing mm-hmm. that I was like, yeah, this is the thing I want to talk about it. We're like in the middle. Um, I was with a partner and we were in the middle of like sleep, having sex. I was like, Oh, this is the thing I want to talk about. I was like, wait, wait, this is great. Yeah. Do not interrupt this moment yeah. to bring something new to the table. Yeah. And like, sometimes there are moments for that. Right. But when it's like a, I have a complaint or a concern or yeah. feedback, like maybe we don't do that in the moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's a difference I think between being like, oh yeah, that's great. You should touch me there more. Or, oh, that's yeah. not really working for me. Can you like move the way you're touching me? Yeah. And like, oh, I'm worried about this habit in our sex life and I'm going to bring it up while you're inside me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. I was having that conversation um, with a sexual partner recently. Like we were talking about the concept of aftercare mm-hmm. and like in um, kink. And I think aftercare should be a part of all sex. Like yes. kink and like vanilla to specify vanilla is a word for like non kinky sex essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in the kink world, it's like after you engage in a kink scene or like insects or whatever, you do something to kind of come down and like take care of each other afterwards after care. And so I was asking mm-hmm. this partner, like, what do you need? And I was saying like a big, like a big part of aftercare for me is kind of like rehashing, like what just went down. And like, I think some people don't enjoy that, but I really do. Like afterwards, I will, I like to say like, I really liked when you did X and like, you know, and, or we did Y and like, it's fine, but like, I don't know if I want to do that again mm-hmm. and those sort of things. Right. Or like, yeah, like I'm noticing every time we have sex, like we've been doing X and like, I'm worried that that's becoming a pattern. Like that is when I want to have those conversations is like after. Um, and yeah, I think it was a really, like, it was a really helpful conversation for like us, the two of us as sexual partners to like yeah. talk about like when to have those conversations. Yeah. It's a great question. Yeah. I found for me that like, um, so one of the partners that I'm with now, like, again, we'll generally like drop off afterward. And so yeah. it's like, oh, but I want that conversation immediately. Yeah. So it's become a morning after conversation. For yeah. Us. And I yeah. found that that feels very safe too. Yeah. Cause we're all both, also both very sexual in the morning. And so yeah. it'll be like, 
a little bit of rehash and also that rehash becomes a little bit of foreplay yeah. and it's very fun yeah it's like yeah okay there's like there are ways to do this to make it also feel good and affirming mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you don't know that though until you do it right I feel like a piece of the aftercare conversation, my head immediately goes to fear. Mm. And I don't feel like I hold that fear any longer around saying, I didn't like that. I did like that. I want more of that. I don't want that to become a pattern. Yeah. But I definitely started in a fear place of wanting to communicate that, especially starting off in partnerships where like we were like when I was having sex with people who I was not in a partnership with, yeah, um, there was none of that aftercare. And mm-hmm. so I didn't learn that. And so I guess a question I have for the collective is how do you start that conversation <clears throat> with the person that you're having sex with if fear is where you're at? Um, can you say more about the fear piece? Like fear of what for me if I'm breaking it down it I think a lot of the fear that I had was I didn't realize that it was okay for women to really have pleasure yeah and to enjoy what they were experiencing when it came to sex yeah because a lot of the sex that I was having was just PIV right and there wasn't a lot of like additives or foreplay or anything added to it. Um, And so then when I did take myself into a long-term partnership, that was just what I knew. And so the fear of one disappointment of like, I didn't like that. Let's not do that. And so disappointment in like what you're asking or um, something we've had to overcome in the partnership I'm in now is saying that, what is happening is not as pleasurable and asking for something different without Mm -hmm. hurting the other person. Mm -hmm. And once you get over the fact that you're not hurting the other person, that you're just trying to make the experience better for both parties, Mm -hmm. a lot of that fear like dissipated, but it was a lot of fear around um, one, the unknown of what those conversations could lead to or are, but also I think a lot of like shame based still like that theme that I've been talking about that keeps coming up around shame around sex. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, it is, yeah, it's really hard to have those conversations when you're again, like not accustomed to them. Um, And like, it's really interesting because I think you have to be coming from a place of like security and like what you want and need and like knowing that it's okay to ask for Mm -hmm. and like knowing if like your partner is unwilling to give it to you like that's also okay and like you get to make a decision and Mm so yeah it's kind of a I think it's maybe an individual like process to kind of start with right of like Mm -hmm. thinking being able to figure out like what you want to ask for and like what then like answers you're willing to accept as well I think that's a big one I like the question that you start with, actually, like, where is that fear coming from? Yeah. Because I think that something I've had to do a lot in my work around my body generally, and that, like, really spills over pretty heavily into sex, Mm -hmm. is asking, like, what beliefs are underlying this fear? Mm -hmm. And often I'll find at the end of them, like, okay, it's a fear of, like, not believing that women are as entitled to pleasure. Yeah. Um, And that, like, having a vagina just means that, like, you don't have as much pleasure in sex. Yeah. And if I can sit down with that and like realize that's the fear, 
it also, I get to ask the question of like, is that a belief that I hold? Mm-hmm. Or is it one that's just been like internalized mm-hmm. that like has been given to me? Um, and so mm-hmm. I don't think it makes taking action any easier necessarily, but it does make it more important in my brain. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so if I'm, if I'm not acting out of a fear of something that I don't actually believe in, mm-hmm. then the only way to sort of stand against that fear is to take that action. And even if I don't feel comfortable or safe, and not necessarily safe, I think that like, if you don't feel safe in a sexual conversation, you should be asking other questions of like the person you're with. Mm-hmm. And again, seeing what like answers you're willing to have. Um, but if it's just like an internal discomfort, then taking the action to push back against that thought process to me becomes more important than the discomfort. Mm-hmm. And I found like sometimes that has given me some more space to ask questions like, hey, I I am choosing not to ask this question because I am afraid, mm-hmm. but I'm not afraid of my partner, mm-hmm. right? That fear doesn't square up with the person that I'm asking the question of. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should ask the question anyway, right? And like the the different ends that are come out are going to come out of that. I think it's it's more complicated, but it's also a worthwhile way to start challenging some of those internalized beliefs that Mm. you don't hold anymore and recognizing there can be a difference between Mm. what you value and what you want to believe and the things that are already internalized as those like first instinct beliefs i think it it really does it feels very true to me right now of that it is fear within self and not fear with in partnership. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned with your body Mm -hmm. and I, I used to have sex with my shirt on because I didn't feel comfortable having Mm -hmm. being naked with the people that I was with. And even in the partnership I'm in now for a while at the beginning of our relationship, I would go into the bathroom to take my clothes off. And like (laughs) now I look at that and that's, mind-boggling and silly to me mm-hmm. but that's was that's where I was at it's real it's yeah. so real yeah. and like a, a lot so much of that was uncomfortability with my own body like not that he had uncomfortability with my body it was just I didn't know how to be naked with myself and that was a question that you solicited was yeah. how do I become more comfortable being naked around with my partner yeah. and my immediate thought is learning how to be comfortable around being naked around yourself yeah because for me, I had to be able to look at myself in the mirror and like be comfortable and love what I was seeing to really have that full comfortability when being so intimate with another person fully naked. And that took a lot of being naked without being in front of the mirror and then also being naked and looking at myself in the mirror. And at first just starting with looking and seeing what I was seeing, but then learning how to over time love what I was seeing. Mm -hmm. And sexy is a vibration. Mm -hmm. And once like I learned how to live in the vibration of sexy and I look at myself and see sexy now, Mm -hmm. but for a long time I didn't. And that was another piece of that fear of overcoming in my own self and not necessarily within the partnership I was in. I think a lot about like when we're talking about like nakedness and like feeling comfortable being naked, like desexualizing the naked body is like also a piece of that. 
right? Like being naked doesn't have to equal sexual, right? Totally. And that's a piece of it too. Like, um, like in addition to that, right? Like just, just like totally. being naked for the sake of being naked, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love being naked. Yeah, I used to hate it, and like it, it, I, I really used to hate it. I hated being naked, yeah. um, unless I was having sex. But like, I'm a lot more into it like now. Um, and part of that for me, my journey has been like desexualizing it. Like, I'm just happen to not have any clothes on at this moment, you know, and like that totally. doesn't have to mean anything. Yeah. That's thank you for saying that. That's such a huge like I for me, like I used to never even live life without clothes on unless I was showering. Right. Yeah. And now I'll walk in my front door and just take all my clothes off because I'm home and can yeah. be naked in my home. Yeah. And there is no sexual piece of that. It is just yeah. like I enjoy living life without clothes on sometimes. Right. And yeah. that feels good. Yeah. But I had to learn how to even like step out of the shower and be okay with not having clothes on way before I could come home yeah, and just walk yeah, in and yeah. take all my clothes yeah, off. Totally. Yeah, totally. I have really gotten more comfortable being naked as I've had someone who wants to see me naked. Uh-huh. Mm. And I think that's the other piece too, right? That's It's such a figuring out which side of the coin you really need to work on. Like how do you yeah. get more comfortable with your partner seeing you naked. Well, do they enjoy seeing you naked? Yeah. Right. Like ask them to tell you more about that. And it's, it's something I've only done a few times and I remember every time I've done it and I remember what was said and you two know this, my memory is trash. Yeah. I can't recall shit. You will never get me to remember things. So the fact that these things really stick with me, yeah. Has been game changing. Yeah. Right. And things that I'm insecure about. Yeah. Right. And having my partner tell me, like, no, I I love your breasts. I love that they are smaller. Like my breasts are not proportionate to my body. Like things that are like I'm very insecure about, right? Like as a woman in a fat body, mm-hmm. is that I am fat in all the quote unquote wrong ways. With the caveat, there's no wrong way to be fat. <laughs> period. There's no wrong way to have a body. There isn't. And when we talk about like curviness being sexy and fatness being sexy often the image that it comes means to a mind, specific body type yes it's like mm-hmm. these large breasts and a large ass and i have neither of those right like i have like boobs they're there but like <laughs> yeah they're not proportional and that's been a huge point of insecurity for me yeah and so to have my partner be like no like i i love the way your breasts fit in my hands mm-hmm. right i love the way your ass feels when i grab it mm-hmm. and just like and like I, something I got um, more comfortable doing is like at one point he started just like holding my belly. Like we were mm-hmm. in a certain position that it was like the most natural place to put his hand. And so instead of even just like putting his hand there, he would like genuinely hold it, mm-hmm. hold the part that sort of lays down and folds over. Yeah. Um, and I remember choosing not to tell him not to. Yeah. The first time he did. Yeah. And like how that's just become such a natural thing for us. And so having those moments too of like realizing that I rarely felt uncomfortable being naked in front of him and that those things could sort of fuel each other. Like when we were in the moment, it was like, yeah, I just want to be naked because I want to keep doing this. I want to have sex. Let's yeah, yeah. take everything off, touch anything you can. Yeah. Um, and channeling that energy into the more casual moments of like nudity together. Right. So yeah. like one of the partners that I'm currently with sleeps naked 
And so that's like a habit I picked up when I'm with him too. And so nudity is very casual. It doesn't matter if we're having sex that night, we're sleeping naked. Mm -hmm. And so also just letting that be like something I ask for assurance in has been hugely helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Realizing where that comfort is and where that discomfort is and asking for help where the discomfort is was like, all right, now this is easier. And that's something we've picked up doing just for intimacy mm-hmm. without sex of just laying naked. Yeah. And like sometimes when one of us needs that, like it's just so comforting to have two warm bodies be together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you are skin to skin yeah. and like taking the sex piece out of it and it's just, it's a very intimate, intimate moment Mm -hmm. I guess is the word I'm looking for but like just being comfortable with learning how to be comfortable just laying naked Mm -hmm. without the sex too was Mm -hmm. something that we've incorporated into our relationship that's been really positive yeah Yeah. one of the things that I really like about having sex too like having different kinds of sex in different kinds and ways is I think it leads to that right so like if you only have sex at night before you're going to go to bed, Mm -hmm. then like, even if you sleep naked, you both like roll over or maybe you snuggle, you cover up with the covers and you go to sleep and neither of you really see each other. Um, and so having sex, like in the morning, Mm -hmm. having like random midday sex leads to the situation where you're sort of just like stuck lounging naked afterwards. Yeah. And like, maybe it's hot out. And so you don't put the blankets over each other and you do have to like experience that, I'm just going to lay here. Mm -hmm. Um, I started getting more active and like writing my partner because this is something that I want to be better at. I want to like, it's something I really enjoy. And it's a weird, like physically a weird thing to do. Like Mm -hmm. you have to develop those muscles if you haven't developed those muscles. Mm -hmm. Um, But so in this process, like I'll wear myself out and end up sort of like collapsing backwards. And then we're just sort of like laying there like little sardines naked next to each other. Yeah. Um, and it's just, there's things like that that are just like really good experience. Mm-hmm. And since it's usually not like the end of our sexual journey either, um, at least with this partner, then like the lights are usually still on. Yeah. Right. Like we're usually still in the middle of things. And so there's that like just experience of, of being naked and being together and that just is really cool giving yourself more opportunities to do that yeah the thing I really love looking at my partner naked and so like Mm -hmm. why would I assume that my partner doesn't feel the same yeah right I found that with every person I've been with yeah yeah I think about like I've talked to people about this when it comes to like accepting your own body and like there, like, in the, you know, however many, like, number of people I've slept with, like, there has never been a time where I was attracted to somebody with their clothes on, and then I was not attracted to them with their clothes off, right? And so, like, that is probably the case. Like, if somebody is telling me, like, I'm attracted to you, like, I want to have sex with you, and I have my clothes on, like, they're not going to change my mind when, like, their mind and my clothes come off. Yeah. And, like, that's always been a real, like, reassuring piece of it for me, right? And it's like, yeah, no, like, I'm always excited by what's under there. Like, I like seeing it. And so, like, they probably do too, right? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A thing that stood out earlier was the lights on. Yeah. I used to only have sex with the lights off. Yeah. And there's, 
making the switch to having a light on so you really can like be and see mm-hmm. was a world of a difference. Yeah but also came with having to learn how to be comfortable in my body before I could turn the lights on. And I don't know if a piece of that also came from like my sexual journey of just like when you are sleeping with people, not consistently or regularly of the same people. And Mm -hmm. like the comfortability is different. Mm -hmm. It felt more natural to have the lights off or if maybe that's just like, was the thing I did in college. I don't know. But there was a lot of difference in the way that sex was after we started having sex with the lights on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to clarify too, like dude, mood lighting. Yeah. yeah right. Like you need like yeah. a light on to yeah. give yeah. yourself some of that clarity. Yeah. I will never trust a hoe that only has overhead lights. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, come on. I need a lamp. I yeah. need some yeah. string lights. Yeah. Yeah. A light. (laughs) It doesn't have to be the light. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's just there's so many like low pressure ways to do this. Mm -hmm. And if you're like in that space of like working up to it, like Mm -hmm. right, like low lighting, maybe like a colored light. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, like my partner has this light that like changes colors and we'll put it on a little bit like pink or purpley, right? And like I don't know, there's something about that that's like very sexy and like we can see what we're doing, but it's not like right. It's not everything's just like on display, (laughs) um, which is okay. But yeah, that's a good like maybe way to like ease into it too if you're in that stage of your journey. Because I find like there's something really sexy about darkness, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm such an advocate too for having sex with the lights off. Mm-hmm. It's just like I think that you should be able to do both. Yeah. Because yeah. then yeah. you can kind of choose where you're at. Yeah. Choose what you want. But I mean, like there's that's a reason so blindfolds are sexy, right? Uh-huh. Like yeah. <laughs> that's um, very fair. Like, we've been talking about like seeing your partner's body, but then like. And how great that is but then like for some reason when that's taken away it's like even better yeah like i don't know <laughs> shut one off everything else turns right. on exactly yes. mm-hmm. power play yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. what does foreplay look like for you mm-hmm. do you engage in foreplay like <clears throat> okay y'all know me or you don't know me very well but kara does like i every once in a while have a big opinion about something yeah foreplay is a thing i have a big opinion about i don't think foreplay is real like it's just all sex okay you know hell yeah Um, baby were you and i having this conversation about like what yeah we were about like what defines sex yes especially as like ladies with vaginas really complicates sleep with other people with vaginas like there was no penetration involved like does that mean i didn't have sex with that person um and like I like have a partner with a penis and like we will have nights that where we have sex and like no penetration happens. I still say that we had sex, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like it, all that is to say, like it's all a part of sex, right? Like, and in, in my like ideal, like fantasy land, like foreplay lasts like all day, mm, you know, like yes. it starts in the morning and works <sighs> it way up like all day, just like texting or talking about it, like whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And like leads up to, a sexual experience so i read that's uh, my big opinion <laughs> yes i love your big opinion no i i was reading a book recently um i read a lot of sexy literature yeah you do. and i was reading a book recently and there's a scene where um there's three of them the gal decides to have sex with her two best friends um what? Who would do that? Oh, God. <laughs> Who would do that? Great question. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Sorry, too many answers to that question. Um, but so it's the cutest thing. They're like, the three of them are sitting on this couch. They're having this conversation. And she's like, yeah, no, let's do this. And they're both like, okay, great. They put a movie on. Yeah. And she's sitting there just like, what the fuck is going on? And it's like, I think that in real life, there should be more of this conversation happening. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, we take the like caveat of it's a romance novel. And yeah. There's some questionable things around like conversations and consent sometimes. But the scene that they were building and like they explained this to her finally was so hot. Of yeah. like, sit here in between us and we're going to watch a movie. Yeah. And you know this is coming. Uh-huh. So like, I'm just going to put my arm around you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're going to lean into me a little bit. And you're going to throw your legs up on his lap and he's just going to start stroking them a little bit. Yeah. And it is this, just even just reading it was just like, oh, that. That's I want that. Hot. We are fully clothed. We are on the couch. We are walking a mo- watching a movie. It would not matter who walked in right now. Because it just looks like you're stroking my shoulder. Yeah. And yeah, like we are engaged. We know what's coming. We are, yeah. And then that tension building. Yeah. I love the all day foreplay. Yes. I'm such a huge fan. Same. It's like absolutely. And then you like get overwhelmed and halfway through the day, you just have sex anyway. And then you keep foreplaying and you say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So what does foreplay look like for you? Yeah. With the like. What do you, I think let's like, let's even take like foreplay and put the word aside. Yeah. Cause I, I'm with you, right? Like I think queerness really changes the definition mm-hmm. of sex mm-hmm. and you should be able to decide what sex is for yourself. Yeah. And I think particularly in hetero relationships, it is great to say like, it doesn't require penetration for you to have had sex. Right. But like, what do you, what do you do to build up that energy? So I think that is for me the most important question about quote unquote mm-hmm. foreplay mm-hmm. is like, how am I going to get us both in the mood? Mm-hmm. That's such a good question. Right. Yeah. And like, think, like, I know, like I know, and like thinking about how to like verbalize it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's too specific. Sometimes it's too explicit. Right. Like I can tell yeah. you exactly that, like one thing that my partner and I talk about. Right. And like, that's also not especially helpful. Right. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, so, you know, we've talked about, like, kinky sex and, like, I play as more of a dominant or, like, top partner in that realm. And so, like, that is an element of foreplay for me. Like, we might just be, like, making dinner or, like, watching TV or, like, whatever. And I might start, like, bossing my partner around a little bit more Mm -hmm. and, like, telling them what to do or, like, right, like, make it be, like, I want you to rub my feet right now or, like, whatever. And just, like, starting to, like, lean into that, like, role. Mm. that like of like power a little bit like that mm-hmm. can be foreplay for me and then um and so that's like even before we move into anything like physical right yeah. like yeah <clears throat> setting the energy right right just starting to bring out that turn bring out that energy like in both of us yeah right and like yeah and like i as you might know have a particular penchant for like bratty submissive <laughs> or bottoms and so like it also works with my partners. Like they'll start getting real bratty with me, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. it might just look like we're just like being fun and playful and silly and like goofing around like as partners, but like there's a sexual like undercurrent to that as well, where I'm like, Oh, you're going to get it later. Right. Oh, like, yeah. You're going to get it. <laughs> and like, we're both going to like it. <laughs> and it's starting to build. Yeah. It's just starting to build that yeah. tension. Yeah. I think foreplay has been like, it's such, it, 
a piece of conversation for me recently. I was listening to a podcast where they were trying to figure out a better word than foreplay Mm -hmm. because it insinuates like it happens before and then it's done. Yeah. And it's like, no, it, I mean, it doesn't just happen before it, it, and, um, and so something I've had to work on in my own relationship is asking for more play before penetration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, because like when you when neither person has an ample amount of sex info or like knowledge Mm -hmm. then you're just going off of what you know and for Mm -hmm. us like we've had to deconstruct that a lot especially with just like sex being penetration yeah that whole concept um and yeah so I don't know I don't know specifically how to answer that of like um I think for me, it's like the way that I start to move or interact becomes a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't know. I'll have to think about it a little bit more yeah. <laughs> before I go yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking too about um, the conversation we're having about like having sex with yourself and having a sexual relationship with yourself. Foreplay starts with myself too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'm thinking about like... Mm-hmm. I <clears throat> I have a date tonight and like part and like it, that I'm fairly confident it's going to end in sex. And part of that for me is going to be like taking a long shower, like shaving. Cause like I prefer to be shaved, right? Like that's my preference and like feel and so like feeling really clean and like wearing something real cute. Like that is all things that are going to like put me in the like best possible like mood and energy and headspace mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. enjoy sex later. And this is like completely independent of like the other person. That's just like me, like getting myself ready. Yeah. And then, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I've never thought about that, of yeah. how even that is mm-hmm. like foreplay. Yeah. For back yeah. of yeah. term. <laughs> right. And it's just, and that comes down to me, like knowing myself and my body and like yeah. knowing what makes me feel good and sexy. And like, yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start there by like making myself feel good. Yeah. Because then I, I can. Think that is the question too. Yeah. More than anything, right? Like, what make what gets you going yeah right because that mm-hmm. is the beginning of the foreplay question it's like what's right. going to get you started on the path to being in the mood yeah um and so mm-hmm. one of the things for me is like i and i don't even think of it as foreplay anymore because it is like both related to and separate from our sexual relationship but like i have a partner that i've been in a relationship with for three years and i still think about my outfit and my underwear every time we're getting together. Yeah. Right. Like even if I'm not dressing up, even if it's not like super purposeful, I sit there and I'm like, okay, do I want to see this person in what I'm wearing right now? Yeah. Right. And like, Oh, I'm going to like go put on a different bra. Yeah. Or I'm going to like maybe take my underwear off. And like, sometimes I don't do anything. Right. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I will start the day of like, I have all these things to do today and there's not going to be a break to change. I know I'm seeing my partner tonight that's going to decide that's going to like impact yeah. what I'm wearing. Yeah. I think that's different in a relationship where you're living together and you're seeing the person every day, but it can be a thing that you choose of like, Hey, I'm like, I'm trying to build to something today. I'm going to like, think about what I'm wearing. Yeah. Right. And think about how, and it is, I think to your point about me, right. Yeah. It's like, how am I going to feel? And mm-hmm. it's, it's mutual. Mm-hmm. So I have a partner who really likes, the like unlined bras mm-hmm. um because you can just like, feel more like through my clothes mm-hmm. and so it's one of those of like if i wear this 
I know that I'm probably going to get a reaction and that makes me feel great. Yeah. And that makes me feel confident. So yeah. I'm going to walk in and be like ready to like get that hug and you know what's up. And it's yeah. just like a different energy. Yeah. And so that's definitely a start place for me of like, how am I going to start carrying different energy into this interaction and into this moment? Yeah. I like that. But you have to know, right? You have to know what's going to make you feel good mm-hmm. to know what's going to make you feel good, right? Like right. You have to explore these things. Yeah. And I think that is so much of what foreplay is, yeah. is that question of like, what's going to get you in the mood? Yeah. And I think on a certain level, I was reading someone's story about this recently. It's almost become too practical, right? Like we've, we've taken real strides thinking about specifically narratives around heterosex towards like, yeah, there should be foreplay. You shouldn't be like putting your dick in a vagina that's not ready. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of getting to what you were saying, Stacey, like the idea that that's what foreplay is for is also mm-hmm. Like we're we're too direction oriented, right? Mm-hmm. Goal like too goal oriented. Deconstructing de- 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 like goal oriented sex is like yeah. something I think about a lot. Something I'm working on in myself, like something I talk to my clients about, mm-hmm. and like I think it, again that encapsulates like queer sex as well, right? Yes. Like I think heterosex is very goal oriented. Of like the end goal is like for you to put your penis in my vagina and to ejaculate inside it. Like that yeah. was real graphic, but that's what it is, right? Yeah, and like. <clears throat> That's not it. my goal when yes. I'm having sex. My goal is to feel good. My goal is to make you feel good. I would love it if one or both of us had an orgasm. But, like, it, my goal is to have fun. Yeah. My goal is to be playful and silly. Um, my goal is to be intimate with you. Like, yeah. yeah. So it, it, I said not goal-directed and then listed a bunch of goals. But, like, I hope you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Yeah non-traditional goal-directed yeah right and I think that like it's a really helpful place to start asking the question of like is it okay to not come to not orgasm yeah and I think that comes up a lot particularly god just bless people in like longer marriages because I can't fathom reaching that point of like you're a partner you're you're someone with a penis you're older the like way sex works changes yeah and like you and your partner are really geared up to like have sex and then you find you can't stay hard or you're not going to ejaculate and so like how disappointing that can be in a world where you haven't talked through some of this right it's like sex is over now yeah like we can't have sex anymore and like that's so not the case no it shouldn't be right like i just Mm. Yeah. And I think that some of that learning has to start early, right? And like rewriting has to start early or is better if it starts early. But where do you go to either relearn or to unlearn to deconstruct that? Like if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. And you're just like, it's over. Yeah. How do you learn differently? Yeah. I think you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think that like, if I could give advice outside of research, because I do think that research isn't always a good answer, Mm -hmm. right? Like I think creating relationships with the people around you where you can talk about it Mm -hmm. is what changes the story. Yeah. Because it does take one person saying, yeah, I don't really orgasm when we have sex, Mm -hmm. but like, it's so great. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to. And having one person say that to you can open the door towards like, oh, so I should trust this feeling of mine. Yeah. 
that like maybe it's okay if I don't orgasm when I have sex. Yeah. That's like talking about it like with people is so I'm thinking back to like what I shared earlier about like kind of not really enjoying sex and like exploring kink and like I had always been <clears throat> super interested in kink and like I found it really fascinating and like what you what you tend to see online is like a male dom and like a female submissive. Yeah. And so I was like fascinated by this dynamic but it like didn't do anything for me. And then like one day I was having a conversation with a friend and she was like I think you would make a great dom. And this sentence changed the entire course of the rest of my fucking life because like, it had just never occurred to me that that was an option. Right. And suddenly everything made sense. Mm. And so like just having these conversations and saying like having sex without coming is an option or whatever, you know, like having sex, like for different reasons is an option. Like having sex that doesn't involve penetration is an option. Like suddenly your world can expand a little bit more, right? It's the one good thing to come out of Sex in the City. Yeah. Like, what a wild and potentially, like, or often trash show. Yeah. But the portrayal of, like, four women sitting around and talking about sex. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. Don't ruminate on these things by yourself. Yeah. Also, Samantha is our, like, masturbation queen, and mm-hmm. I will never not love her for that. Mm-hmm. I masturbated all day <laughs> shows up i will never forget this scene shows up to dinner you're just glowing you look great did you get a facial she has grin on her face i masturbated all afternoon <laughs> like girl yes been there it yeah. does things to you yeah Ugh. going back to what you had just mentioned yeah and i'm trying to wrap my head around the thought because I, it, when you throw queerness into sex, yeah. it changes everything. It really does. Yep. For me, I grew up only knowing and seeing heterosexual sex. Yeah. And that was all that I knew. All that I knew was a possibility. Yeah. And then when you, like, like even just the idea of, like, non-penetrative sex, mm-hmm. because when you add queerness to the mix, there's so many different ways to have sex and what does sex mean and how is sex and what is defined as sex for each person. It just opens up this whole other world. And for me in a heterosexual partnership, Mm -hmm. it's a world that I know very little about, Mm -hmm. but I think even in a heterosexual partnership could be beneficial to understand sex better and to understand opening that world more. And I think the question that my brain is trying to get to is what are some resources for that and how to explore that more and grow more comfortable in learning more about? I think porn is a great option. I was just going to say that. With an asterisk, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of porn maybe you know is a lot of it that exists is like for the male gaze um the cishet male gaze right even when it's like two ladies um but there are um places that exist that is like queer porn like for queer people Mm -hmm. and finding that um so i'm thinking i know an app that kara and i both love is called dipsy um it's d-i-p-s-e-a and it's all like audio um porn like erotica um some of it is just like stories some of it is like fully acted 
Um, and it's like by and for women. Um, and there's all sorts of different gender pairings. And so listening mm-hmm. to that and like, you know, and so they're like describing like what they're doing. That's great. Um, I use, I use Reddit a lot for my um, porn. I use uh, because it's a lot of people just like posting their own content. Um, and I just really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's real, you know, it's like real, just people posting like real pictures of their real bodies, their real sex. Um, I like that a lot. Um, I did not know that was a thing that was on Reddit. Oh yeah. Like you got to find the right subreddits, right? But sure. like, um, there's a whole slew of like gone wild. Um, and like, that is the idea of it's like just real people, like not yeah. porn stars. And so there's like gone wild, there's gone wild 30 plus there's gone wild chubby, there's gone wild trans, like there's gone wild queer, like whatever your thing is, there's like a gone wild for it. Wow. Um, and that's nice. And it's mostly photos. Some people will post like GIFs or, or videos. Um, <clears throat> And yeah, I like that. GIF girl. I am a GIF girl. Ugh. GIF is just a yucky word. It feels bad in my mouth. Okay. So I say GIF. Understood. Yeah. Um, I have big feels and I accept the, when you give me a like answer of like, well, it feels bad in my mouth. What am I going to tell you? <laughs> You're I know. wrong. I know. That doesn't matter. It's important that you feel good. <laughs> wow. You're the first person to ever give me that answer, and now I can't say a damn thing to you. <laughs> Terrible. These are how are often our how our conversations go. It's very true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's huge, though, because yeah. one of my answers is porn too, and yeah. I think there's a reality of like two things. One, I'm a really big advocate of paying for your porn. Yeah, right. That is just like a thing. Yeah, and. I'm aware of the ways that that limits accessibility. Right. Because it limits my personal accessibility. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, there is, yeah, there's, there are a lot of limitations there. And I think it also requires a little more research, right? Like it does. Yeah. Finding people again, oddly, I will say I will return to social media, Mm -hmm. right? Like there are a lot of people who develop their following on things like Instagram or TikTok Mm -hmm. and, reference you to their site, their sites, their spaces that will give you more pornographic content. Yeah. And I do think it only takes following a couple of people and paying a small subscription to a couple of people to get a robust like library of porn that you're looking for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is like a financial thing to invest in. Yeah. And that's not always accessible. So something like Reddit, Dipsy has um, videos, not videos, like audios. I suppose mm-hmm. I don't like that word as a choice, but whatever, um, that, that are free, that are accessible, that they're continually cycling through, right. Yeah. They'll take some down, they'll put new ones up. Um, so I think that is a good resource Yeah, because also realistically the paying for your porn is a double-sided thing. Like one, it is the ethical choice to support people who are working in the sex industry. Mm-hmm. And two, you're much more likely talking about queerness to find the kind of content that you're looking for mm-hmm. that is geared towards that audience, right? Mm-hmm. That is not just geared towards the male gaze. Like if you go and you look up lesbian pornography on Pornhub, somewhere in there is queer centered lesbian pornography. Mm-hmm. You're at a hell of a time finding it. Mm-hmm. Probably not worth your energy. And, you know, also not the most ethical way to source. 
Right. That said, I do want to caveat there are actually a number of um, porn stars who function through Pornhub. So keep that in mind, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are some people that that is where they post their work and they have contracts with Pornhub and like you can find them elsewhere. And so like going to the, is artist the right word? Would we know? I'm inclined to say artist personally. Yeah. I've seen some art forms. Yeah. Listen, I have seen some people in pornographies that are art. Mm -hmm. The things that you do. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Small hands, hit me up. Um, Oh, I'll talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan. Yeah. Big fan. Um, so yeah, like a, there's, there's sort of a double piece to that too of like, it's worth paying for because you're also going to probably be able to pay for something that you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <sighs> Queer resources though. I had another thought. Um, that is one that I think is worth doing the research on, mm-hmm. right? And finding finding a number of things. One, books, they exist. There was yeah. one at the kinky shop we were at earlier, actually, about, like, the best lesbian sex. Um, just because it gets you over that first hump, mm-hmm. right? It can it can normalize some things that you already know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then community. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a big one, right? It's like finding... And community can be online. Yeah, like, absolutely. Caveat that. Big fan of online community. Yeah. Yeah. Also, fandom. I don't know if that's like yeah. either of your jams, um, but if you are I mean, all into fandoms, that's absolutely how I got into like queer, like porn. It was it was all like fandom. It was like yeah, dude. Like, I like I don't know how I didn't know that I was like queer when I was a youth because like I pretty much exclusively read like queer fanfic. Yeah, yeah. Slash baby. Slash fic. Ugh. I have a friend. Give me that dreary. <laughs> oh my god. Literally no. Literally yes. Oh my god, hard no. Fine. <sighs> Work for me. I mean, have fun. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, I have a friend from high school who like we've we've been friends for a long time. We've like really stayed connected post high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really like deep rebonded the last time I was visiting them because like we kind of opened the mutual floodgates on our kink experience Mm -hmm. and they were like, Oh, this is the coolest because now I can tell you about like what I spend my time doing, which is drawing like erotic images for kinky fanfics and like really queer, really nasty all the way down the like um, deep, like kink BDSM, but also like deep into the monster fucking. And so we got to like talk about this and be like, yeah, dude, like in our own separate ways, on our own separate journeys, we have really both delved into this world. Um, And so it was really wild. Like they talk, they have, we've talked a lot over the years about like their experience with sex and like the way that fandom has opened doors. Mm. And so, yeah, like if you're into fandom, find the like kinky shit in your fandom because it's, it's there, there. Yeah. it's there it is not hard to find it is harder to avoid yeah. do not be afraid of the queer tentacle sex that is happening in the fandom art and the fandom fanfics just like go for it do not be afraid. Yeah. Okay. don't be afraid <laughs> the lord is with you <laughs> our lord and savior ao3 <laughs> oh god oh man um 
thinking about like you were saying like oh now that we have like breached this conversation i can tell you what i do with my time oh, <laughs> um i mean so this is real. like one of the reasons that i talk about sex all the goddamn fucking time like i'm always afraid people think i'm like a weirdo or just like annoying because i never shut up about it but like i just want people to know that mm-hmm. like you can talk to me about it <laughs> that's so real <laughs> yeah so I'm nice. a so, like, yeah i'm gonna say and like i think about this like from a therapy perspective and like from a um person perspective like yeah one of the th- i did a presentation like in my grad program and it was like what you need to know about sex therapy like for non-sex therapists and like one of our kind of pointers that we came up with was like be the first person in the room to say the word sex mm-hmm. so like Woo! you as the therapist ask like how's your sex life like what is your sexuality like what are your relationships like like and just like and they might not want to talk about it and that might not be why they're there and that's fine but like you being the first to breach that topic. And so like, I will breach the topic of sex with my friends because I'm just like, I don't know, like if you want to talk about this, like I'm down and like FYI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's part of the reason I just like make dick jokes 24 um, seven. Yeah. <laughs> but it normalizes it. Right. right. And it makes yeah. it accessible. Right. Because when it's not being talked about, it does yeah. feel sometimes not accessible. Like yeah. how do I casually bring up sex into this room? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And with having somebody who is comfortable to be the first person in the room to say sex, it definitely, it like clears the air of that. Exactly. I think one of my favorite things to do that I found too, is like broaching it sideways. Um, You're in like a room with some friends and he's like, do you mind if I give you like a TMI story? Yeah. And you can see the people in the room that are like, Oh sure. Like I'll be here for it. That's fine. And people in the room that are like, Oh yes. yes. What do you want to tell me? Like, yes. Yeah. And like maybe clearly you mean like a TMI sex story, not like a TMI gross medical story. Yeah. Right. But, uh, <laughs> um speaking of which, not scat play. No. I was <laughs> like, I oh, so are good. we going there? Um, well, I would personally <laughs> rather not. You can. Um we can go there talking about like it was a thing, but like yeah. not my kink. Do your thing. Um, but I did have a, like three people who are sleeping with people with penises. Yeah. And so we're sleeping with people with prostates. Um, give me your hot takes on anal. Yes, please. Either for yourself <laughs> or for your partner partner. Um, hot take. Yeah. Um, if you are a person that wears a strap on to engage in anal thigh is better than the traditional, like, um, around the waist. Really? Say more. Yeah. Um, this is my personal opinion. Like I have yeah. no research to back this up besides that, which I have done myself. Um, but I have found that like, so traditional like strap on harness, like adjust the dildo. I'm like trying, I'm like demonstrating and y'all can't see me. Like puts the dildo, like where your penis would be. Yeah. Like if you had one and like, I have like, as a cis woman, like my body is shaped differently. Mm. And so like, it just doesn't really actually. And also like I'm going into an ass and not a vagina. Yeah. Right. And so like, I have just found that like, with the thigh, um, I can be like on top and like, I will have like my legs on either side of one of like their thighs. Right. And the one with the strap on is like in between their two thighs. And like, I, I can just get a better angle. I have more control over what is happening. And like, um, it just is better. That's my pro tip. Mm. So you're on top. They're on their back. They're on their back. Yeah. It's like, like like having missionary side kind of, no, I can like, I can like, I'm more like grinding my thigh, like yes. Them. That's yeah, I mean. but it that also kind of like moves the dildo like in and out, right? And yeah. like yeah, ooh yeah, ooh. 
That was my pro tip. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, and like, I have a kind of like traditional, like waist harness and like, I have just like moved the, the straps around such that I like tighten the straps a lot. It'll go around my thigh. Like sure. you can do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also picked up an actual thigh harness today. Boop, boop. Yeah. Um, that's my pro tip. Up. Yeah. Hell yeah. And like, no, never mind. <laughs> I was just going to share, like, a, there was, like, one instance where I had, okay, like, I will share, like, the hottest sex, like, I have ever had, like, maybe not ever, but, like, it, it was up there, yeah. was, like, that, yeah, and, like, so it was with my partner, and, like, having a penis, and, like, I didn't have to touch them, but just, like, our, like, my, so, like, I was, like, grinding my thigh, like, into them, and then my body was, like, rubbing against their dick, and, like, <gasps> and that, like, oh, oh, I, like, made them come with that, and it was, like, chef's kiss like Ooh. so hot you know i can imagine too and i don't know if this is exactly how you were but like your one thigh is sort of thrusting in and your yeah. other is like f- like flung over their hip almost kind of and like mm-hmm. you're riding yeah. a little bit and like i just like can fathom this being yeah, like, a yeah. really hot thing yeah it was Ooh, great yeah yeah mm. it was great yeah sexy i had asked like we were doing it and i was like do you want to like switch it up and she was like i just really want you to keep going i was like this is really working for me and i was like great okay. <laughs> awesome okay. let's yeah. keep going yeah. I was like, great. Cool. This is it. <laughs> yeah 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 also a great thing to ask and or say right like if you hit a position and you're like this is it say that out loud yeah, yeah. tell your partner yeah. like, this is so good please stay right here and do exactly yes. what you're doing forever yeah. it's also hot to hear yes, yes. it is it so yeah. is I love nothing more than hearing I really like being inside you. Oh. <laughs> um, Say more. <laughs> yes. I actually want to continue with that, but I do have like a real hot take. And you can tell me if this is a problematic hot take or not. But I'm a real advocate of like, look, if you're in a relationship with someone with a prostate, you encourage them to explore that. Yeah. I just, and I, you know, consent is huge, right? Yeah. If it is something they're fully against, fine. But, like, if you, especially if you're in a long-term relationship, you're looking to spice some shit out, explore that prostate. It is so cool. Mm-hmm. It is, like, so cool to give people with penises a different kind of pleasure, too. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the one thing that I hear pretty consistently from people with penises, right, is, like, the envy around the vagina's ability to have a lot of different types of orgasms. Mm-hmm. And often I hear from penis people um, it's my favorite phrase. <laughs> penis people. Penis people. Um, that it's just kind of one note. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And like, I think there's a lot of ways around that. I think like edging, playing with the testicles, playing with the um, perineum, that like space between the testicles and the asshole. Yeah. Really good. But like, yeah. yeah, get at that prostate, man. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. It's yeah. so fun. Yeah. Yeah. And thinking about, like, if you're in a, like, cis-hat relationship and you're wanting to, like, queer your sex up a little bit, yeah. like, you, you know, man, don't always have to be the one that's inside me. It's know? true. Like, it's true. We queer that shit around. up a little bit, baby. Yeah. yeah. Destigmatize that as a, like, emasculating thing, too. It is not. Yeah. It is hot. Yeah. Like, and, like, like, yes, it is okay if you're not into it. And, like, I would encourage anybody who is not into it to, like, get curious about with yourself about like why yeah and because like if you're not into it you're not into it but like if you're not into it because you think it's gross you think it's shameful you think it's demasculizing like maybe just get a little bit curious about that feeling and like yeah yeah. i think that's really good too i think particularly um 
this is the least important, but very real, particularly around the gross piece, yeah. right? Like, sex is, sex so, is gross. so gross. And, like, let's acknowledge that. And, like, yes, it is fine if your line is poop. That's yeah, okay. that's valid. But, like, also... And there's things you can do about it. Yeah. You can man. dramatically reduce the chances of that happening. It's really right? true. Yeah. And I just also had a lot of grace for yourself and your partner. Like, yeah. you are engaging in anal play. Shit literally happens. Literally. And like just a little piece of poop on just it. A little <laughs> <laughs> That's not a direct quote or anything. How dare you? <laughs> oh, so very good. Oh, so very real. But yeah, I just I think that that is it's sort of a dual-edged thing, right? Yeah. Of like everyone should should experiment and enjoy these things Mm -hmm. and please don't start in on particularly like having anal sex of any form with your partner if you are not prepared for them to have some gross shit happen Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, like if mm -hmm. you can't be mature about that don't put them in that situation Mm -hmm. because it's their body that's going to be doing the gross thing Mm -hmm. and if you can't deal with it like there's some shame around there that i don't want you to start on yeah it's just like do a little bit of unpacking first yeah but I, I remember the first time that I engaged in like anything to do with anal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't the first time actually, but like a couple times in, as we were exploring this, my partner at the time said something to me, he was like, you're clearly very good with like messy, mm-hmm. right? Like you are not dirty. Like, I'm not t- calling you dirty, mm-hmm. but I'm impressed with how comfortable you are with messy. Like as someone who hadn't had a lot of experience and I was yeah. like, it, it was an incredible compliment for me at the time. And it's something that I would encourage everyone to find their space in. Yeah. Right. And I, I think funny enough to take it full circle. I think some of that came from how much I played with myself mm-hmm. and like the really long history of having sex with myself. It was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, man, like I, I, I know what comes out of my body. Mm-hmm. Right. Of just like, this isn't news to me. Mm-hmm. And so I, this is incredibly pleasurable and it's a thing that I want to enjoy and engage with. And so yeah, I'm gonna I'm take the consequences. Sex got better when I got more comfortable with it being a little bit messy. Yeah. Get a sex towel, get a sex blanket. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who has learned about the magic of female squirting, mm-hmm. um, get like a waterproof something or other to lay down <laughs> and let them go wild. Yeah. Is it pee? Is it something else? Who cares? Who go cares? nuts. Who knows? It's yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Also, because we've mostly talked about, like, people with prostates and anal. Um, yeah. As someone with a vagina and, like, a clitoris, all of those nerve endings are sort of moving all along the uh-huh. inside and back uh-huh. court space. They're all connected. There's, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of benefits. Mm-hmm. Give it a <laughs> shot, man. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Big fan. Uh, undoubtedly, at least one of the best orgasms of my life yeah. came from anal. Yeah. And, like, just anal. Like nothing Yay. else was being touched or played with. Yeah. yeah, no, wild, super Shit. unexpected. Yeah. I will literally oh, yeah. never forget this. Yeah. Because it was just like mind boggling. Yeah. 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 Amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. All the ways wild. we can experience pleasure. Bodies are Bodies wild. are wild. Yeah. 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 And the fact that, like, I, I say this a lot when I, like, see things on Earth that are just, like, yeah. next, like, space-like or just don't feel like they should exist on earth 
Like that just exists. The fact that our bodies just do these things, mm-hmm. that we can find pleasure in that way, that mm-hmm. we can do it with ourselves or with other people. Mm-hmm. Like it I just is such a gift. Being it human is. is so cool. It is. Yeah. Having thumbs. <laughs> yeah, dude. Having thumbs is great. Dude. <laughs> so very real. Thumbs in your bubble is great. <laughs> Circling it back. <laughs> true that's yeah. how it all began <laughs> such a thing. two thumbs up, two yeah. thumbs up. Yeah. oh man yeah um how do you stay safe and healthy in sex how do you stay safe and healthy yeah because <clears throat> i think those are they're yeah. most few things right there's like yeah. safer sex very important mm-hmm. i'm gonna repeat what you said to me though stacy because i think this really changed my life this week um, or last week was the the reality that there is no safe sex, mm-hmm. and I think this is so important. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. There is safer sex. Yeah, and we can do a lot of things to have safer sex. Yeah, and particularly if you are someone who is not in a monogamous relationship or marrying the person or only having sex with the person that you're going to marry one day. Yeah, like. They're just sex is like comes with risks. Yep. And we all should be comfortable signing on to those. Yeah. And mitigating them as much as possible. Right. And I think that this like one of the things that I love about this conversation too is that if you normalize talking about sex, you normalize talking about risk Mm -hmm. and you normalize having safer sex. Mm -hmm. And then it's also not as scary when something does happen. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, again, like I have a lot of, of desire for like kink practices and language language to like move into um made like more mainstream like sexual stuff and i'm thinking about yeah. like when you're talking about like risk like um there used there was a term in like the kink world um that was known as like safe sane and consensual and i think we are moving away from that and one of the newer terms is like risk aware consensual kink mm-hmm. and it's again like again there there's like many kinky practices that are like just inherently like not safe like you can never make them safe yeah. you can lessen the risk right and you can make it a mitigable mitigable risk um anyways and so like i think about that just like risk aware consensual sex yeah is like what we want to be having mm-hmm. um yeah so like how do i keep myself safe and healthy um how do you avoid utis uh always pee after sex always, always. Oh, every goddamn time. It doesn't matter what kind of sex you just had. Mm-hmm. Go be. Um, I think it's a great one too, because I feel like that's a lesson that I've heard like largely in connection with penetration. Yeah. And it's like, doesn't matter. No, dude. Any and all sex. Yeah. Yeah. Go pee. This is like um, a naturally like... cleaning system. Let it clean itself. Yep. Right? Like that's one yep. of the ways it cleans itself. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like for anybody that like, cause I feel like this is advice that is given and like people don't often know why. Mm-hmm. And it's like, because like, if you're a person with a vagina, you're like urethra where, which is where your pee comes out of is like all up in the place where you're having fun. Right. And like the bacteria that is in your vagina does not belong in your urethra. And so like, sometimes it'll get scooched up there during sexual activity. And so when you pee, it just flushes it back out. Right. And like, that is, that's how you get UTIs. Um, and so, you always pee after sex. Um, probiotics, anything that's like fermented, um, kefir specifically is like my personal one. Like that's a great way that I like keep my vagina healthy. Um, 
because I have learned something I've learned about myself is that like my, my vagina hates new partners, yeah. <laughs> you know, like whenever I have a new partner, she throws a fit because like their bacteria is like getting all up in there and she's like, no. And, but like, do you find that's true even if you're using condoms or other barriers? Yeah. Yeah. Because so for me personally, I only use condoms for like penetration. Mm-hmm. I don't for like hands or mouths or whatever. Um, potentially toys. It kind of depends on the scenario. Yeah. And so like there are, there's bacteria there as well. Right. Like, yes. And my vagina tends to throw a fit. Okay. And um, so kefir is something that I have found that like drinking regularly can like help keep that um, balanced. Mm. Um, anything that any sort of probiotic, any sort of anything that's like fermented um, kombucha can do it like whatever. Um, mm. That's a good like health tip for those of us with vaginas. Um, I also like on that sort of note specifically, um, if you are someone who's engaging in anal play, yeah, learn how to eat to bottom. Yeah. And yeah. there is an Instagram page that I fucking love. It's called Bottoms Digest. Um, <laughs> yes. 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 It literally, his whole thing is bottom friendly recipes. Yeah. And like, it was conceptualized as a like gay man who bottoms. Right. Yeah. Um, and it is widely applicable and he's actually pretty great at being like, this is for anyone mm-hmm. who is going to take anything up the butt. Um, yeah, like probiotics for the vag, bottom-friendly foods for the ass. And there's just, like, knowing, learning basics about, like, when to poop and how to douche. Mm -hmm. Never douche your vagina. Never. Never. Don't. Never. Don't. And you can, and often should, douche your anus. Mm -hmm. That's a fair thing to do. Mm -hmm. Again, learn about, like, there's a mucous membrane in the anus. Like, that's its own thing, too learn about how to like douche healthily there there are resources for this mm-hmm. and by resources i mean you can google it yeah google, google it. it scroll down a little bit find something that is more like cosmopolitan not like an ad for an anal doucher yeah um but yeah it's there the the resources are out there um but yeah bottoms digest big fan yeah go for it i love it it's so great so fun that's an instagram page yeah cool yeah. bottom friendly recipes <laughs> But yeah, I think there are some things like that that's like, as people with vaginas, we hear the like cranberry juice, you know, for UTI mm-hmm. kind of trick. Um, and there are so many more. There's mm-hmm. like so many, there's so many basics that you can do. As Wash your hands. Regular process. Before sex. Oh, yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Clean your sex toys. Like, there's a lot Wash of your toys. Wash your toys. Wash your toys between use. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can throw many toys in the dishwasher yep like dildos anything glass mm-hmm. anything um i think the stainless steel toys you can throw in the dishwasher i would double check yeah um yeah especially if you have like non-vibrating silicone toys mm-hmm. run through the dishwasher yeah anything with a battery not so much yeah 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 and, but you know then just like <clears throat> hot water and mm-hmm. gentle soap i was just gonna say like you don't need fancy toy cleaner like no. unscented undyed like on everything like soap yes. works great yeah wash your hands with that wash your toys with that if you've ever Go had to sh- like take a bath in a lake or clean a tattoo you know how to clean a sex toy yeah right that's it's the, the same advice. thing right yeah. like just fully like unadditive soap yeah and and water that's it mm-hmm Hot water. Yeah. Hot water. Yeah, if you don't have a dishwasher, you can boil your toys. That's mm-hmm. totally a normal thing to do. Boil and or put in the dishwasher your menstrual cups. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. 
and like I don't know it's not gross like everything's getting sanitized exactly yeah yeah I don't tend to like run my dildos through the dishwasher when my roommates are around yeah but that like weekend that y'all left I did a full load of sex toys nice I was like this is great yeah. I'm gonna do plates on the bottom or do toys on the top <laughs> it'll be good <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You know what? I mean, we we run a pretty sex-positive household. I yes. would, like, not at all be shocked or surprised if I open the dishwasher and run a dildo in it. I'd yeah. be like, okay, I don't know who this is, but great. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that, like, we as a household should have a chat about. Yeah. Because, like, it totally could be a thing, It right? could be a thing, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, empty the dishwasher yourself if you're going to be the one loading toys yeah. into it. Yeah. But, yeah, this is the uh, household that just set a clothing optional rule. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've got some uh, some paths to open. When yeah. they're coming out, they're sanitized. So yeah, that's <laughs> true. Actually, exactly. that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't share toys. This is actually a really important one. Yeah. Um, I had friends in college who shared a vibrator and like an internal and external vibrator. Mm-hmm. Um, and like. It's not a hard, fast rule that you should never do, but like you can't just pass that shit back and forth. Wash it, use condoms. I was gonna say condoms can go on toys. Yeah, and that's actually the thing. Like, even personally, I would not want to share a toy that has only been washed mm-hmm. and then like not use a protection with, right? Like, I would not wash my toy and then give it to someone else to use sans condom or anything. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, put a condom on a dildo. Mm-hmm. Um, Something I see a lot, again, in porn, um, the Hitachi wands are super popular. People put a condom over the head. Mm -hmm. It's a great idea. Yeah. Right? Like, there are so many good ways to, like, share toys safely. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, if sharing, okay, so sharing toys safely, like, if you're bringing that into queer sex and you're sharing your toys inside of queer sex, what does that look like? It's a good question. I think that would be, uh, you know, something to navigate, right? Like, are you monogamous, right? And you're Mm -hmm. two people with a vagina that, like, are monogamous and, like, use the same dildo. That might be fine. That also might be a, a, like, bacterial infection waiting to happen because, like, different vaginas have different bacteria, right? And so, like, that just might be something to navigate. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, or, right, just, like, keeping a box of condoms and switching it out, you know, when you want to, like, use on the different person or maybe you each have your own dildo like it would be yeah you know it would be a conversation to happen and then like if you're not monogamous like do we have toys that we use together like and toys we use with other people like mm-hmm. or whatever you know yeah i think like, that's there's a lot of different ways to go about it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. talking about it the same way that you talk about protection is probably a good approach mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and like i so i know a lot of queer women specifically to like there's like dental dams and a lot of queer women don't use them. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's not something that's really seems to have caught on in the culture mm-hmm. from what I understand mm-hmm. and from what I've seen. And yeah, the only people that I know that use dental dams are like swingers at like swingers yeah. parties. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like at parties, I feel like they would mm-hmm. have more space. Um, but yeah, like if I had a long-term partner with a vagina, um, I imagine that I would get comfortable with us like using toys together, like mm-hmm. that uh, we would share toys. Mm-hmm. And I would probably ask that like those toys don't be used with other partners. Mm-hmm. Right. right? Um, so like maybe my male partner could use those toys on me, but I'm not going to use them on him mm-hmm. or I'm not going to use them on a different female partner. Yeah. Like we'll have our own choice for that yeah. or we'll, okay, or we'll use condoms. Right. That is one thing that like 
I'm comfortable like sharing toys like depending on the circumstances but like one thing that gives me the egg is like there are toys that go in butts and there are toys that go in vaginas and though I don't care how clean it is those don't cross mm. you know <laughs> like, I, that's a good point that's a good question yeah. what are you comfortable with right that just I don't know that's my personal and like I am someone who has I think a higher like STI like risk tolerance than I think like you like based on the conversations we've had right like, yeah and but for some reason that one I'm like Mm-mm. that's fair <laughs> No, and I think that, like, yeah, actually, I'm very curious to see the direction of my own SDI tolerance as I, like, find more partners yeah. and, like, move between more people. Yeah. And find more, like, one of the one of the hunts that I'm on right now is for more, like, avenues for group sex. And I think mm-hmm. that, like, mm-hmm. both your knowledge of protection and your tolerance for STIs changes when you're engaging in that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, the term tolerance for STIs, can you say more about I think tolerance of risk. Yes. Is, okay. Yeah. Like, um, for example, um, there are some people who maybe are non-monogamous and like would never have sex with another partner, like without using a condom or a barrier. And like, I don't, right. Like I have one partner, uh, who has a penis and like we have penetrative sex and like don't use barriers. And like, I have sex with other people. She has sex with other people. And like, we both know that that makes it a higher risk. Right. Okay. Right. And yes. that's just okay. That mm-hmm. is something we have decided is okay. Yeah. Um, and like we get tested regularly and okay. we do like use barriers with other people, um, which is open to discussion as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if she wanted to like not use barriers with someone like that is a conversation that I'm open to having. Um, and so, yeah, just like thinking about like what you're, cause like things like engaging sense. in oral sex, um, is low on the level of like STI risk, um, but not no risk. Mm-hmm. And so like, that is something that I am comfortable engaging in without barriers. Um, somebody else might not be. And so like, that's a conversation that we have to have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So like, that makes sense. I think a really great example around this too was like, um, so I was recently diagnosed with HPV and it can be spread through any porous membrane. And it can travel on non-porous membranes, right? And so there are some STIs that, like, they can spread from membrane to membrane, but they can't travel on your hands. So yeah. if you're doing something with your hands, there's, like, no concern about, like, yeah. oh, I didn't wash my hands before I touched my mouth. Or, yeah. oh, I very purposefully, like, touched my mouth. Put um, my fingers in my mouth after putting them yeah. on you. Yeah. yeah. So fucking hot. Anyways. <laughs> I'm going to come back to that. Uh, um, but so there are people, caveat of like HPV is widely prevalent. Only half the population get can get tested. You will probably never be tested for HPV mm-hmm. and you will probably have it at some point in your life. Yeah. Um, the current numbers that we have statistically, 80% of adults at some point in their life will have had HPV. Mm-hmm. And if you tested every person in the world right now with a vagina um because we don't have tests but there's a test for men but it's not administered because yeah. it's very painful um mm-hmm. if you tested every vagina haver in the world right now somewhere between 60 and 70 percent of people with vaginas currently have some strand of hpv mm. so when they say like there's there are stis that people don't test for that's usually the one they're talking about you only find you often only find out if you have like an irregular um pap smear and Mm -hmm. then they're worried about because they found like a cancerous strand or a precancerous strand 
all that's to say, because it can spread so many ways, my first thought was like, oh my God, I want to use all kinds of protection for all kinds of sex from now on. Mm -hmm. Definitely not where I'm settling to. Yeah. But that's the sort of range of risk tolerance that we're talking about, yeah. right? And so um, if someone were, if I were to start having sex with someone and they were like, I have like no tolerance for that risk. Like if we're going to engage at all, I want to like use gloves to touch you. I want to use like barriers for oral. Mm -hmm. um, then that would be like, they have a pretty low tolerance for STI risk. Mm -hmm. Totally fair. Yeah. And then it becomes my choice to say like, well, I don't really use barriers for oral or manual sex. And like, I will for penetrative for like different reasons. Um, but like, that's not what I tend to do. So am I okay having sex with that person? Yeah. Meeting their standards of safety. Yeah. Is that something I'm comfortable with? Or is that like, does that make me feel shamed? Does that make me feel dirty mm -hmm. to a degree that like, I'm not willing to have that sex. Mm -hmm. And you know, who knows? We'll see what happens that, as that comes up over time. Mm -hmm. um, and it, honestly, it might become irrelevant this time next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. With, right. Cause mo many HSV infections do eventually clear up. Exactly. On own, right. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes back to just how important communication is. HPV. Yeah. HPV. I said HPV. HPV. That is, that is, that one is for life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I meant HPV. Yeah. HPV tends to clear naturally. It's part of why we don't often don't test. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm having no test for HSV, which is a different conversation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's its own issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of like, we're coming up on time. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was a question asked that I think is fun. And so I, I want to kind of like end with that and then we, or like we can see if we have any like thoughts to end with. Yeah. Um, but the question was like, what are some good examples of talking dirty? And like, how do you like to be talked to? Tell me about your dirty talk. Yes, Stacy. <laughs> oh my God, if she has to cover her face, I want to know. Okay, I mean, y'all have clearly learned that I'm like a very sex positive person and like a bitch loves dirty talk and it's so hard for me. Like that is something I still have like so much like shame about. Um, I think it's the only moments that I like made you blush. I know is when I've like said something dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've been like, <laughs> I'm like still covering my face, like even just talking about talking about dirty talk. Um, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So my therapist yeah. sent me a quiz about how to like you answer some questions and then it tells you a label of what you need or want from yourself or from a partner. And, mm -hmm. um, and so after taking that with my partner, um, it was like, his is very, he wants to like a place where he pulls pleasure from sex is knowing that I'm pulling pleasure from sex. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so now having that lens, I've tried to vocalize more out mm -hmm. loud my enjoyment. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I struggle yeah. with dirty talk as well because in the it just feels laughable sometimes. It does. And then it's like, I don't want to say this and then start laughing because that also doesn't feel like it's hitting the mood. Yeah. And, um, and so for me, now it's turned into like, how can I affirm that what he is doing or what we are doing together is pleasurable? Yeah. And so even just like 
saying that or yeah. moaning in different forms or fashions. Yeah. But um, I don't, I, the dirty talk is something that I, I also yeah. cover my face a, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I much prefer to be talked dirty to mm. than to talk dirty. Yeah. Mostly that's because I get very like non-cohesive and like not non-verbal, but like non-cohesively verbal mm-hmm. during sex. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that I think is like dynamic too. Yeah. Right? Like part of being a submissive for me is really like just fully giving over to the experience. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have a lot of like, again, this is like for me and my own submission, I don't have a lot of like word or direction. I have like, yes, no, more, less, mm-hmm. and then all the noises. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like talking about dirty talk, it's a really good place to start is what you're talking about, Alyssa, of like who wants dirty talk and why do they want it, mm-hmm. right? It's like, yeah. does it just turn you on? Then okay, we can like work on some scripts. Yeah. Um, is it because you want affirmation? Okay, well, would moans work? Yeah. Like if I, because like, yeah, I, I curse a lot and I say, oh God, a lot. Um, yeah. And so like, if I were dating someone who's that very classic, like God complex, mm-hmm. it would be over. Mm-hmm. Like there should be so rough. I would give them the biggest ego in the world. Yeah. Um, do you remember earlier when you were like, oh my God. And I was like, yes, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Thank you. And some like to add on to that, um, asking for consent can be dirty talk. Yes. And I think that's a fun way yes. to frame it too. I think there's the other thing, like, so for me, if I am mm-hmm. talking dirty, it's usually like foreplay. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I really want you to do this to me. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about this. Or aftercare. I like, mm-hmm. I really fucking loved that. Yeah. That was really good for me. And yeah. so I use like dirty language as mm-hmm. a way to like process sex. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like if you have a partner who is wanting more dirty talk, the best advice that I've ever been given is just like narrate. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, and add like how you're feeling, but yeah. like, just like narrate like, Oh yes, that feels so good. Oh, I love it when you touch me there. Oh, I love having you there. Oh yes. I really want like your hands in my hair. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. You just sped up and it's the best. So like whatever. Um, Dan Savage, uh, the Savage Love Cast is a good resource if you're like wanting to explore more sex positivity. And he talks about dirty talk in a way that's like, um, you like say what you're going to do, you say what you're doing, you say what you just did. And it can be as simple as like, I'm gonna fuck you, like, I am fucking you, like, oh my god, I just fucked you. And like, that can be hot or like, yeah, whatever, you know. And so it's like, yeah, like, I'm gonna put my cock inside you and like doesn't it feel good to have my cock inside you or whatever? Or like, wasn't that great when my cock was inside you? Like you can make it more yeah. like, but just say like that, that's kind of his like prescription for it. And mm-hmm. I, I think that is um, like where I started when mm-hmm. I was wanting to get more comfortable with it. Yeah. It feels like the barrier of entry for that is very accessible. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's yeah. low. Yeah. 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 Cause it doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be this whole like, performative like silly like ridiculous things it can just be like oh my god that feels so good and like i i like one dirty talk i do love is like asking for consent in a like but and also in a like power way of like i don't know like do you want my hands around your throat like do you want me inside you you know and hearing like are you gonna take yeah like do you want to take daddy's back like yeah 
You take daddy's cock while she fans herself with a daddy fan? What? Are we going to emblaze you know? daddy on one of your cocks? That would be so good. Oh my God, that would be so good. Um, where's George? Where is George? <laughs> no, I know exactly where George is right now. Um, <laughs> shit, I was going to say something and I lost it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's gone. That's okay. Yeah, and it's like, and like the person I'm with like knows that they can say no, but like they're not gonna fucking going to. Yeah, they're gonna be like, oh yes, daddy, and I'm gonna be like, all right, here you go, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like yeah. I don't know, yeah. I um, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's so fun. It's so fun. Mm. And, like, and let it be fun. And let and it be fun. Yes. I was thinking that too. Like you were saying, like oh, I don't want to like laugh, and like. Another hot take that I have is like if you're not laughing during sex, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. It's one of my favorite takes. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, like even in the dirty talking moment, there's something to be said for that. Right? Yeah. Like I have burst out laughing in the yeah. middle of sex because it was so good. Yeah. yeah. And like I'll say that, right? I'll just like start laughing and be like, I can't believe how good this is. Yeah. Yeah. And like truly, I have like one of my partners gets so much joy from the smile on my face mm-hmm. when he's fucking me. Yeah. And that's like it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like just, yeah. And like, so yeah. just communicating your pleasure yeah. is dirty talk. Mm-hmm. And, and like knowing what your partner wants from it can be so helpful. Yeah. And it's okay to try stuff and have it not work. Yeah. Like I've absolutely said stuff and then been like, nope, I didn't, <laughs> oh, nope, let's just pretend <laughs> I didn't say that. It was my and like <laughs> when, when I was like first exploring kink that um, the person I was with would help me would be like, would sort of like say things that's like, here's something that will like preview a type of dynamic. Yeah. And I'm going to say it. And if it turns you on, then we can get going that way. If yeah. it doesn't, we're going to go away from it. Yeah. So yeah. one of them, cause I'll never forget this. Cause I was like, it's the one, it's one of the few times that I was like so dramatically turned off. Um, <laughs> was we'd like gone out to dinner together. Um, and I was going down on him and, <laughs> <laughs> and I was going down on him. Well, I was like, how are things sexy and there's conversation happening? Yeah. I like being talked dirty too. Yeah. So I will sit there and do work while you're talking to me. Yeah. That yeah. feels great. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. You enjoy that. It works yeah. out for everybody. Everyone's happy. Um, but so he was like playing with some of the like different types of dominance and like yeah. playing with the daddy piece. Yeah. And he said to me, you were such a good girl. Yeah. You ate all your dinner tonight. You did so good at dinner. <laughs> and I like literally pulled away <laughs> and I'm looking at him and I like laugh and I was like, ew. And he's like, okay, so you don't want a like TM caretaker daddy. Yeah. You're not right. trying to have like a DDLG relationship. Right. If you don't know what that means, look it up. I'm not going to tell you. Um, <laughs> it's just controversial enough. I don't want to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like, cool. So you learned something about yourself tonight. Yeah. You don't want an like a traditional actual daddy. You want right. a traditional sexy daddy. Right. And he's like, yes facts which is also great because that was not his thing either yeah um but i just remember so dramatically in that moment being like "Ooh, yeah. never talk to me about how i ate a burger again while i'm blowing <laughs> yeah. you this is not chill but that's how we figure out what we like and don't like right. it's yeah. super like, is. somebody out there is like so into it They're yes like, yes daddy i ate all my dinner like i've been such a good girl today Every yes. tickle. Rub your hands yeah. through my hair and tell me how good i am for you yeah. and listen yeah. babe if that's you, 
get it. Yes. Lean in. So hard. Yeah. Eat those Lean peas all and the way in. in that pod. Like, <laughs> yes. I yeah. love this for you. Yeah. Yes. Just not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this has been so fun. It has been so fun. Yes. <laughs> Does anyone have any last final thoughts? Uh, get curious. Mm-hmm. Get silly. Mm-hmm. Get a little messy. Get messy. And go have fun, babes. Yeah. Go have fun. I, the caveat of like, it is important that certain things in like developing your sex life aren't accessible to everyone financially. I stand by that. That is important. That's real. There are ways to learn and play with what you have just at your disposal. Yeah. And if you are someone with any amount of disposable income, and like you both know this, I'm a graduate student. I am on a like graduate assistant salary I don't make money mm-hmm. I decided a long time ago that like sex was something I was willing to invest in yeah slowly and over time and in small ways mm-hmm. but like I spend some of my disposable money that some people spend on I don't know whatever on sex and so yeah, yeah like don't shy away from a little bit of investment Mm-hmm. buy the sex blanket mm-hmm. right don't buy the really expensive sex blankets until you know that you're going to be making a big ass mess but like there's cheap things shower curtains work great yeah dude <laughs> yes especially for wax play mm-hmm. yeah like invest a little bit if you have something to invest and you want your sex life to get better find the ways to invest that if it's money if it's time if it's conversation if it's discomfort yeah find the thing that's worth investing in you deserve it. You do deserve it. You deserve to invest in your Sweet. pleasure. Yes. Sex toys, you really do get what you're paying for mm-hmm. with like a couple of golden exceptions. So like, I don't know, be willing to pay for a little bit of something. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are your closing thoughts? Yeah, dude. My initial closing thought is I'm excited to go do some research. <laughs> And to check out some of these resources that we've chatted about. Yeah. And um, I will take the time while publishing this to make sure that those exist in the show notes. And so, yeah, go look at the links. Go check them out. Um, As always, like, love loudly, take up space, and go have fun. Some sexy, sexy fun. Yeah, Yeah, baby. Buy a glass sex toy. Grab yourself, grab a partner, grab multiple <gasps> partners, have some sexy fun. Have Let's some go. sexy fun. Yeah. Try some dirty talk. Yeah. Yes. Let it flow. <laughs> See what feels good. Become your own daddy. Let's go. Be your own oh, daddy. daddy. <laughs> Let's make shirts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'll go with my self owned sub club shirt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Self owned sub, be your own daddy. I exactly. Love it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh big fan yeah this has been so delightful if anybody out there who is listening has any questions or wants further resources please feel free to reach out um we will do our best to help you in any ways that we can but i encourage research that's what i'm doing for myself and encourage learning and like stacy has mentioned several times like approach it with a branch of curiosity (laughs) and that's a great word yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like be patient with yourself. I know for me, like mm-hmm. it brings up a lot of big feelings also. And yeah. patience with myself is a big one. And so it's important to take care of yourself in that way too. Yeah. And don't be afraid of those, right? Like know where your barriers are. And I really respect that. Like 
you said this at the beginning, like we recorded a version of this a few months ago and you were like, I'm not ready for this. And that's an incredible boundary to set for yourself, right? Like respect your own boundaries and barriers when they come up. Mm-hmm. If you are having feelings in your body that are like outside of the realm of normal and are bringing up emotions, look at that, acknowledge it, respect it. It doesn't have to be a flaw. It doesn't have to be a problem. Mm-hmm. It gets to just be a thing that you work through. Mm-hmm. Um, so take the space and respect those. And if it's within your ability, don't let them stop you from finding the right ways to move forward. Right? Like mm-hmm. these are just things to work through. Um, we talked about this with being naked, right? There's, there's a path forward and find out what your path forward is. Fuck. Yeah. 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 Any other final thoughts? I wish, man. We could, uh, go, we could go on and on and on with the final yeah. thoughts. This was so um, delightful. Yes, it was. And as always, I appreciate you both sharing space in the inner dialogue space, but also all of you for hanging out with us and taking this journey. And I hope you take a piece of reflection and a piece of curiosity with you into the rest of your day. And as always, take up space, be loud, and I love you lots. Bye.